FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. We're going to do a flashback. <laughs> That's right. I got to leave room. I'm not used to other people doing that. <laughs> Jumping all over, stepping all over our very important guest. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is going to be a, uh, a flashback inside of a flashback, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I am your host, Jason. My farts are toxic cloud grenades available. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm joined by special guest, Georgie. I sweep with my claws out, bitches. V. Yeah, that it's 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 a dangerous way to sleep, but uh, you know, I can't do anything about it. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, hey, Georgie, welcome, welcome to the podcast that goes nicked. I'm super excited to have you on. I'm super excited to be here. Yes. All right. Well, so what we're gonna do? Uh, we're gonna do an old 1982 crossover uh, between Marvel and DC with kind of their, at the time, two hottest properties. We have. Marvel and DC present the Uncanny X-Men and the new Teen Titans. Got the new popping off the page there. So a little bit of podcast business. I understand that if you're, you know, if, if you've been listening to the episodes, you know in the in the flashback series of, of episodes, we're already a little bit past this. And there are several reasons we're just now getting around to this. First and foremost, this story is not technically, air quotes, in continuity, so it wasn't on the list I've been using <laughs> to track all the old Wolverine appearances. So I kind of forgot about it. And then when I did remember, uh, I could not find my copy. So I had to track down another copy and that took time. And then I wanted to have a guest on. So arranging that and scheduling took some more time. And so basically here we are, but believe you me, it is going to be worth the wait. So strap in and get ready for some old school 1982 comics fun but before we get to that since we do have a a new guest uh, we'll say a a, a variation on the long time listener first time caller (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have George he's been very interactive with the podcast and Denise and I both super appreciate that and so it's good to to finally have him on Uh, 2015 is going to be the year of the guest for the podcast and this is just um yeah it's just super fun to have 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 a big fan on and a good friend so let's uh georgie let's talk about if you remember um kind of your wolverine origin story um kind of your first exposure to the character whatever media that might be in so um like a lot of kids who grew up in i don't know 80s and 90s my first exposure to the character was the Fox animated TV show that ran on Saturday mornings. Um, <laughs> no, that theme song is so wonderful, isn't it? I love that song. <laughs> and actually, the voice of that character is still my perfect Wolverine voice. Like, if we could have Hugh Jackman's, you know, upper body and but but, but this this voice actor's voice coming out of Hugh Jackman's mouth, that would be wonderful. <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> He's so angry in that cartoon all the time. Just yep, all the time. And grumpy He's only little able Wolverine. To hurt 
whoever swipe uh, robots or something. Otherwise, it's right. just closed, <laughs> closed-fisted punches or something. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's some pretty awesome cartoon. We actually uh, not too long ago started rewatching that with Ethan, so that's been a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice up until I think season four when they change um, animation studios and then it gets kind of uh, rough. Oh, does it, I don't remember. Does it go pretty wonky after that? Yeah, I mean they have less budget, so things get cut uh, down. It's yeah. It starts looking more like the Capcom arcade games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as I was saying before, the original pilot for the TV show was like the Capcom, not Capcom, the Konami side-scrolling game. Yes, I remember you put something on Twitter about that a while back, right? Was that you or yeah, that somebody yeah. else? Oh, that was me. You, yeah. you can actually watch the, the pilot on YouTube. Yes, it's, and it's, I did. Like, animation is wonderful, <laughs> but the voice acting is completely different. Yes. You were telling me, so the first guy that did Wolverine was an Australian on the cartoon? Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I just remember that on the old um, Spider-Man cartoon as well, like back in the 80s, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Right, There's a with, crossover with the X-Men, and an Australian guy does Wolverine there as well. Wow. So there's a lot of – there's a deep, rich Australian heritage with the, the character in uh, exactly in live act or not live uh, – television, movie, media. That's crazy. Of course, we all know yeah. the wonderful Hugh Jackman is Australian. He's from, he's from Down Under. <laughs> so we should do a horrible, horrible, very short skit where uh, an Australian actor – he plays Wolverine and he puts uh, some Barbies on his claws. <laughs> <laughs> Put another shrimp on the bomb. And he's like, snick. <laughs> Stab some meat and veggies. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because in, in the Spider-Man crossover, he like stabs a fruit with his claw and then offers it to uh, like to one of the other characters. Like, do you awesome. So Wolverine's yeah. the original fruit ninja. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, so uh, did the cartoon lead you to comics, or did it kind of take a while? Because I, I know you're in comics now, so... Yeah, um, yeah I'm addicted like you are to comics at the moment. <laughs> uh, but long ago, it was actually... All my friends were collecting the uh, the trading cards. I mean, no one really traded them. They're, you know, collectible cards. Right. I did that for a couple of years, and then I started getting into comics, and then it got to the point where I was, you know, spending all my money on comics, and my parents were getting upset, so... <laughs> Yeah, I understand that a little bit. Denise isn't always super happy with all the uh, long boxes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I still buy paper comics, so uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, me too. I don't mind the digital. I, I like reading them on the iPad and stuff sometimes, but I don't know. There's just something about sitting down in a chair with a drink and just flipping through the paper. I don't know. But, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, so what would you say is your overall opinion of Wolverine in general? So I like Wolverine. Um, he's not my favorite character, but when he's not overused and they kind of explore sort of uh, the trauma sort of in his psyche, he can be a, a lot of fun to read. He's a yes. really interesting and fun character. Yeah. In the hands of a good writer, he is very complex. Um, in the hands of not so good writers, eh. <laughs> but I guess that's true of any character. I mean, a bad writer, oh, yeah, yeah. A bad writer can't write anybody good. So what are you going to do? Yeah, he's definitely, especially in the late 90s, super overexposed. And, yeah. But, but you know, he's, he's dead, dead now, so somehow he's not <laughs> He's not in quite he's as many dead. comics. <laughs> yeah. He's dead until The Secret Wars brings us, like, six different versions of Wolverine. And, yes. You know, you, your podcast will be extremely busy again. 
Oh man, I've been. It's like every day they announce a new series that ties into Secret right. Wars, and some of them look pretty cool. I mean, old I'm Bendis doing Old Man Logan should be fun, and um, yeah. they're doing that Years of Future Past, which interesting. Oh, speaking of the cartoon, they're doing. Uh, I don't know if they're doing a series or they're just showing up in one of the other series, but the the cartoon is going to be one of the universes, kind of like they did with Spider Verse. Yeah, if if you give me a minute to to talk about that, yeah, I just read news about that today. Uh, again, I think I saw news earlier, but there will be a book featuring the '92 cartoon series. Awesome. And to sort of plug something else, you know, I'm a, a contributor to the Intercomics uh, website. Yes. And a podcast, and uh, Dan the Wham Cole, who is one <laughs> of the, uh, you know, what do you call it? like the showrunners over there, is, is right. also really excited for the '92 X Men series. So that that should be a lot of. Sort of you, know, silly, you know it would fun. be perfect and what? Marvel would never do this but if you're listening Marvel here, here's an idea that is solid solid gold you know how you can go to like uh, wherever you go and get greeting cards <laughs> and they have the cards that like when you open it up it plays a little like happy birthday or whatever yeah they should get the, the, the first issue of this series you should open it up and it should play the theme song from the TV show <laughs> <laughs> and they'll charge everyone six dollars. <laughs> We're gonna do yeah. that anyway, so why not? <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll be, be awesome. It'll be four ninety nine, so at least give me some music, right? <laughs> Either that, or they should, they should use the clip from um, uh, Arrested Development, the I'm Judge Reinhold clip. Whenever you open the book. <laughs> well, that could be in every book. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, so, yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some '80s goodness, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, like I said, the two hottest properties going at the time for Marvel and DC, uh, the Uncanny X-Men, and the DC's answer to the popularity of the Uncanny X-Men, the New Teen Titans. The characters aren't really necessarily that similar, but I think DC definitely was like, oh wait, here's this team at Marvel about younger youngish mutants and everybody loves them and there's lots of drama and stuff so let's uh let's do some of that and so they they took superstar character robin and some other characters and made a team and it was really really hot of course they had great uh creators i think it started off with uh, marv wolfman and george perez if i remember right and you can't beat that with a stick so yeah yeah, it was kind of their answer, and it became super popular. And so this just kind of came in a window where the two companies were cooperative with each other and didn't hate each other. And, um, just kind of a, a perfect <laughs> storm. And, yeah, so who does this book, Georgie? So we've got uh, Chris Claremont as the scripter, uh, Walter Simonson as penciler, uh, Terry Austin as the finisher, which, uh, <laughs> you know, living in Japan like I do, you say finisher and I start thinking of massage parlors. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, Terry Austin is a, is one of the greatest anchors of the 80s, and I would say he gives all of this art a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Man, that um, always makes so the rest we, uh, of the credits um, very anticlimactic. <laughs> So for for letter we got Tom Warzachowski, a colorist is Glennis Ween, the editor is Luis Jones, uh, editor in chief is you know the legendary Jim Shooter, and the consulting editor is Len Ween. So a lot of Weens on the book, a lot of people yeah, on the book. Wow, this, it's uh, 
This book is very uh, family-oriented. I don't know the timeline, but Louise Jones eventually becomes Louise Simonson. Right, yeah. Yeah, and Walter Simonson's drawing the book. And then, of course, Lynn Ween and Glynis Ween were very famously married and then divorced. But this is a time where they're happy. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't realize, I just kind of thought of that when you were saying it, what a family affair this book is. Cool. Well, um, let's talk about the cover. We have a nice wraparound cover, which is a pretty rare bird in 82. But, hey, this came with a $2 cover price, which is a little over double a normal comic at the time. Comics were still about... 60 to 75 cents, depending on what you were buying. So, pretty hefty price tag. It's a pretty hefty issue. And the wraparound cover is a nice bonus. Uh, what do you think of this cover? Uh, you know, you mentioned wraparound covers, and I just uh, just now remembered when I really got into comics, wraparound covers were all over the place oh, yes. in the early 90s. They were all the rage. Yeah, so I thought that was just normal, you know, when I was growing <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but this cover is is great. Uh, not only does uh, do all the characters look wonderful, I mean the the phoenix fires is just gorgeous. Yes, um, it it it's just I would you know you look at old art and there's obvious you know failings due to time constraints and and you know te- technological constraints, but it looks wonderful. I think still. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I particularly love the phoenix. Um... You mentioned earlier how how cool you thought Robin and Cyclops were running together, kind of as the focus oh, yeah. was really cool. I will say the funny thing about Robin, um, the pose and the way Simonson drew him kind of makes it look like he's not wearing any pants at all. <laughs> and, and it doesn't help that like there's a one little piece between his glove and where his tunic splits, and I think that's supposed <laughs> to be colored, but it's still flesh tone, so it just looks like yeah, he's yeah. going commando, which. Would be an awesome comic in and of itself. That would make, speaking of inner comics, that would make Jack very happy. Because that would be the (laughs) ultimate dick pic. (laughs) You know, you got to hope that he's just carving it up, you know, because if if he's free-balling it, he's got a tiny little uh, little Robin dangling there. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Now, and and speaking of which, I I know 82 is still pretty early, and I know... In the 80s, at least, and in, in 70s, comics were probably a little behind the trend style-wise. But I was a little shocked to see in 80... 82 felt late for me for Robin to still be in his Aquaman underwear. Um, yeah, yeah. But I guess it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's but, uh, amazing how long he, he hung on to not only underwear, but also those little footsie slippers he's, he's yeah, got Yeah, the on. Tinkerbell shoes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're called pixie boots, which doesn't help the cause at all. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> so, also say, what do you think of uh, Simonson's Dark Side? I found it very imposing. Well, you, you said earlier all the line work is wonderful, and I agree. It looks it looks great. Yes. It suits uh, Simonson's style quite a bit. He, uh... He is known for a lot of superfluous line work, and, and it just makes Dark Side look gritty and menacing and really cool. So I like the way that you have kind of our background characters, and you have kind of the whole roster of the book running underneath. That was a nice mm-hmm. little fact. And I just saw that you made that uh, your um thing on Twitter. 
Yeah, it's it's what do you call it? The the background or, or whatever. Yeah, right. just of the the hero characters running forward. It's it's a great image. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I will say. Oh, I like a I love Nightcrawler's pose, kind of his cat like acrobatic thing he's doing there. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I was a little surprised and maybe disappointed in was that uh, coming hot off the heels of um, winning a uh, Comics Eagle Awards for most popular character. I was a little shocked to see Wolverine kind of buried on the back of the cover. Yeah, it's he's kind of tiny back there. It's a little, it's it's disappointing for sure. Yeah. So at first I thought they were just trying to draw him short, but he's not that short. <laughs> uh, speaking of Wolverine for a second, um, where do you stand on costumes for Wolverine? Uh, like oh. the brown and the yellow, or the 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 blue and the yellow. There's things about this costume that I'm glad it's not still around. Um, oh really? Some dated elements like the big fins on the boots. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that said, overall, it's probably my favorite costume. Um, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I like it a lot. If they can do a version of this, like kind of the color scheme and the costume scheme, but maybe just tone down the boots a little bit, make them a little more modern. I mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty awesome, and maybe we'll get something like that when he comes back. But yeah, no, I I'm I'm very partial to the colors. I like. I know that like the yellow and blue is more of his origin, and it fits more mm-hmm. with kind of the X Men uniform color scheme. Mm-hmm. But the yellow and brown, or orange and brown, or whatever you want to call it, always felt more fitting to the code name Wolverine to me. I agree. And so I don't know. I, there's definitely it's definitely my favorite for nostalgia reasons, and even with the boots, I would still probably call it my favorite. So. You no, know, earlier we were talking about Batman a little bit. Uh, another thing that strikes me, uh, you know, similarities between the characters is, you know, on Batman, it's the ears, but on Wolverine, it's, it's I don't know what you, what you want to call it, like the wings on his mask? <laughs> yeah. I always call them cow fins, but I have yeah, no yeah. I have no authority based on that than the, other than the authority <laughs> I give myself. <laughs> but it, it's really interesting that individual artists will, will vary on both Batman and Wolverine, the length of, yes. of those parts of the mask. Oh, yeah. In fact, <laughs> Sam Keith uh, will exaggerate both of those two extreme 90s ends. Yeah. <laughs> I think Batman's ears uh, pierce the heavens. <laughs> but yeah, you know, what? that's cool, though. I always like, that's one of my favorite things. Ooh, voice is cracking. That's one of my favorite things about, you know, if I ever got money and went to, like, conventions and stuff, I would love to just get a collection of, like, Wolverine from different artists who may or may not be familiar with drawing him because I love seeing oh, yeah. different artists' takes on different characters. And that's, sure, that's part of the sure. fun thing about comics. I know, you know, we're about to kind of hit this with the Marvel movies that eventually we're going to have to either recast or change characters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the pitfall of, of the movie or live action medium. But one of the glorious things about comics is you never have to recast. And and not only that, but it doesn't matter if, if someone draws them a little bit different because you know it's the same character. As long as you get like the yeah, basics. Yeah. And so I I just always love when new artists like bring their own thing to a book and, and just see the little tweaks and variances they do on my favorite characters. And You know, you're totally right. I'm thinking of, you know, other artists who have, 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 you know, as far as I know, never really touched the character. And to think of someone, you know, like Jamie McKelvey or, um, 
or you know Dodderman handling Wolverine and how they would draw that. It'd be really interesting to see. Yes, that would be great. There's one. There's a guy I'm thinking of also that would be awesome. I'm gonna save that because uh, it relates to something we'll talk about in the issue. All right. But yeah, but yeah, I I just I don't know. In my in my fantasy life, I would go around to conventions and like collect like a Wolverine scrapbook and just get like different people that I just would love to see him draw. But. Well, here's what you do. At, at work, you got to fake a terrible accident and then collect insurance <laughs> and then you just rip off it and do what you got to do. Uh, well, I will say working for an insurance company is a little hard to uh, get away with that. <laughs> They're pretty well, hardcore see, no, on the investigations. Right? You know where you can fudge That's the numbers true. and get That's true. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right, Georgie, why don't you... Uh, why don't you lead us through this bad boy? Okay, so just a quick uh, point of notice beforehand. Um, as far as I know about the Teen Titans, I have two points of reference. Okay. They're both cartoons. It's it's the Teen Titans, uh, well, I guess it's three. These The old Teen Titans cartoon, there was the Young Justice cartoon, and the right. current Teen, Teen Titans Go. Yes. So I know very little, so I will be asking a lot. Uh, about the DC universe and these characters. So I hope you're up for the challenge. Uh, I will do my best. This particular corner of DC lore is not my forte, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll play along. <laughs> All right, let's do I will it. say, uh, oh, it was really cool when cause I ended up buying a, a new copy of this off of eBay. I was able to get it pretty cheap. And uh, the guy randomly, it wasn't listed in the auction, Threw in uh, Deathstroke's second appearance, which was Teen right. Titans uh, 10 or 20. I don't remember now. But that was really cool. And it, it was uh, it was some George Perez art and had de- just really classic Deathstroke story. Nice. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I got... And that's the only other Teen Titans comic I have. So, I had zero before we, I got ready for this podcast. Okay. But I do know the characters from later iterations. So... Okay. I can at least speak to kind of where they go and where they come from. So, righty. Well, you mentioned Deathstroke. I got some stuff to talk about him later on. That'll Ooh. be more appropriate. So that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. So uh, the book start, starts off, off, and it says in big sort of, I don't know, like uh, I don't know, evil letters, apocalypse now. But you know, actually, I don't think they're actually on apocalypse. They're in some like strange wall and some weird space universe. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Okay, so uh, this is uh, this is the source wall. Real quick, you, you mentioned the font. So having been doing the flashback episodes, in the back of several issues of Uncanny X-Men leading up to this, there's this very mm-hmm. menacing ad with this exact lettering for the apocalypse mm-hmm. now. And it doesn't even mention the X-Men or the Teen Titans. It kind of, I think some of the ads show some of the characters, but it was very like, mysterious and menacing uh, looking and it, the build up to this series was pretty cool as far as the advertisements all right so the source wall is and i'm not speaking with 100 percent authority here i'm just going on <laughs> other stuff i've read because the source wall has been very involved with green lantern stuff in the past okay. as well basically there is a in the dc universe there is this border between the edge of the known universe, and they kind of mention this in the comic a little bit here, oh, and in yes. the realms of like dreams and imagination and whatever, and no one really knows what's on the other side of this wall. And I think the faces and stuff we see, if I understand, 
are people or entities or gods that tried to break the wall and they basically got melded into the wall. Okay. And so that's kind of what we're looking at. And basically, I, I, if I'm understanding it right, the source wall also plays somehow into the origin of creation in the mm. DC universe. So there's, mm. there's mystery and energy and, and all that stuff. And basically what we have here is a, uh, Darkseid and Metron trying to trying to break through the wall without suffering the fate of previous people. Like I think they mentioned the Prometheans mm-hmm. is a, is a, a series of gods that have been captured on the wall, and so that's kind of their their motivation okay. in this story. That's I guess very interesting, and I, I will jump back to that at a later point. Okay, um, maybe you can tell me who Metron is. Okay, Metron is a new god like uh, Darkseid. Okay. He they are. Uh, so Jack Kirby, when he went to DC after he left Marvel, after some um, mm-hmm. unfortunate uh, unhappiness on everybody's part, kind of there, he went over to DC, and one of the things he did there was he created this this basically universe called Fourth World. Yeah, if I'm saying that right, and um, mm-hmm. so it's New Genesis and Apocalypse and the New Gods, and it was just this very Kirby esque super sci fi mm-hmm. in the perfect. 70s way um <laughs> and so you have all these guys like uh apocalypse who is who's super badass and you have like yeah. metron and i forget who some of the other new gods are i think like orion who uh yeah, orion, if you, did you yeah. read have you been reading uh the new 52 wonder woman when it started off with uh azarello and cheng you know um I really love the covers but i couldn't get into the interior art just oh, some didn't okay. do it for me well, that's fair enough, but um, he uh he showed up in that book, so okay. so that's kind of. Well, I know a little bit about about that that I just didn't know Metron as as a character, and I would have researched more. But this book is is dense. Yes, there's there's enough to do just reading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so continuing on, yeah, we've got uh, you know Metron and uh, Apocalypse at this wall yeah. in front of the source, uh, and they're talking about trying to break through. The source. Break on through to the other side. <laughs> I like how oh. Metron's costume has eyebrows. Dude, I, his costume is wonderful. <laughs> I also like, and these are all these were all named by Kirby, and this is all just mm-hmm. Kirby goodness. But the names of everything, especially in these oh, first yeah. two pages, because we have like the Psycon Wave, yes. the, uh, the Omega Phase Helmet. Uh, <laughs> The chair, the chair has a name. I'm not seeing it right this second, but I don't think you know. I was looking. I didn't see the chairs. Oh, name it's the, the Mobius book. chair. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and of course, the source wall. All this, all this just crazy, fancy sounding stuff that probably doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. <laughs> it's all exactly. It's so Kirby that way. Yes, and I will say, so, I you know, speaking of Kirby, I think Simonson is a good. Um, spiritual successor to Kirby. I was going to say that later on in the issue, all the sort of like future tech and stuff looks very Kirby-esque. Yes, yeah. And, and of course, that Simonson's bread and butter. He's really good at sci-fi stuff. So we continue on with um, Metron sitting at the Mobius chair and trying to break through the source. And he needs some some crown from... <laughs> some crown from... Uh... <laughs> from Dark Side. I will say side. that crown looks like it gets really good reception. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it also almost looks like a, a Gundam mask now that I look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind so, of looks like um, the new Batman design we have coming up. Oh, Jesus, let's not get into that. 
I'm cautiously neutral on that. I really want to be mad about it, but I'm just like, oh, we'll wait and see. But yeah, yeah, it's not. What I really want to say about that costume is, you need to look at just just Google a Japanese anime called Appleseed, and one of the main characters is a giant robot that has like a a, a rabbit head on it, and it okay looks almost exactly the same. Yeah, so, it was so very. Robotech looking to me as well. Yeah. And speaking of, I, you, I forgot about Appleseed. Is that what you know the band Appleseed cast? I do not. Okay. Well, I think they're named after that. They're a really cool, spacey kind of jam band. Nice. But they're really like, I don't know. You should check them out. Everybody right. listening should check them out. They're really cool. And they put on a hell of a show. But anyway, nice. uh, back to comics. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Metron puts on this this Gundam Appleseed, you know, radio helmet <laughs> and, um, you know, travels into the source on his Mobius chair and then, you know, disappears. And then um, uh, I keep wanting to call him Apocalypse, but it's, <laughs> it's a very honest mistake. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, they just had Apocalypse on the page before, but uh, right. Dark's Dark Side is like, and now, you know, after after this. No, I will have dominion over the stars. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, flash over to uh, New York, well, upstate New York, and the X-Men are training in the danger room. Yeah. Wolverine looks, uh, he's doing a fast, of course, Colossus does a fastball special. I thought, the first time I saw this, I thought that Wolverine was a little Sam Keithy looking. Hmm. But that doesn't, that doesn't hold truth in the comic, just that one pose. You know, I, I I like you know I like Wolverine throughout the book. I don't think he's drawn bad once in the book. No, I don't either. I also really enjoyed sort of the old style uh, motion lines. You got Colossus throwing Wolverine. You yes. see like the motion lines. Yeah, that was really very cool. old school. The other thing I'll bring up about the book is consistently throughout, we'll see facial features and expressions that don't actually match what the characters are thinking or saying. <laughs> Oh, so, um, 80s comics. <laughs> oh, no, it's especially in this issue. So I will, I, will, I will bring up several panels later on. But it's, it's really cool to see this, you know, sort of hypertech danger room scene. We've got Colossus, Wolverine, and, and Nightcrawler yeah. sort of dodging missiles and lasers. And, and Chuck is running everything. I do want to point out, since he's such a legendary artist, other than the cover, this is our first uh, Walt Simonson Wolverine art. So mm-hmm. I just want to kind of point that out and as far as Wolverine's timeline. I kind of like to point out when, when we get new artists that are particularly historical, and I think Simonson would count. So I don't know if I said it before. The comic does look dated due to you know certain technological barriers and, right. and limits, but uh, the general penciling and, and, and inking of this issue is, is great. Yeah, I agree. So we get a little repartee between Wolverine and, and, and Chuck, you know, Professor X, like Wolverine likes to call him, um, and then back to more action of you know got Nightcrawler dodging missiles and throwing Wolverine around and right. Colossus, you know, changing into his giant steel form and just letting the missiles explode on him. <laughs> because I, how is that a tactic? That sounds like the worst tactic ever. I guess if you can take a bullet, you take it, right? <laughs> well, I, shouldn't you be like, you don't have to train for that. You should be like training to dodge these things. Because <laughs> right. there could be eventually, I don't know, does armor piercing technology apply to Colossus or does he still trump that? I, you know, the thing, uh, I, I'm not so familiar with the Claremont days, but in this book he says that Colossus has nigh invulnerable organic steel. Right. 
and the missiles don't even scratch his skin. They don't even break his costume. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing to me. And something that will definitely change as we get into the 80s and the 90s where everybody's costume is ripped at every occasion. But yeah, he, he's completely unfazed. I do want to point out, we have a very interesting bit of Wolverine-ness here on this page. Uh, first of all, he says, and I'll try to do the cartoon voice for you. I've been a rebel all my life, pal. I like it too much to change. And so we have that going on. But then also, for a out of a quote-unquote out-of-continuity crossover, mm-hmm. Claremont reveals something here that he has not revealed yet in the series and doesn't get to for another couple of years, where okay. he says, um, he's talking about Wolverine, he says, uh, Wolverine extends razor-keen adamantium claws from their housings and his arms and hands, which, you know... I caught that as well. Every Wolverine art, uh, fan at this point would know that, but then he says, truth to tell, he doesn't much like them but he knows how to use them supremely well. And this is our first hint of kind of the the claws as a curse thing that, that we'll get into later in the 80s, but I thought it was very interesting that it was placed here and not in a regular X-Men book or, you know, whatever. I just, it seemed, it was very cool, but very odd. Um, I also thought, because presumably kind of what both companies would hope for in this crossover, both DC and Marvel, is that people will buy this book. It'll be a huge success, which it was. And then some Marvel X-Men fans will say, hey, this DC stuff's pretty cool. Let's go buy some DC books. Maybe I never have before. And conversely, some DC fans will say, hey, man, these X-Men are pretty rad. I should go uh, buy some new X-Men books and check out Marvel. And I'm sure that happened. I would say, though, as a Wolverine fan especially, if this is your first time reading Wolverine and your first popping of the claws is off-panel, I find that extremely disappointing. <laughs> like, here's a, here's your chance to really show what Wolverine does. Yeah. And, and, and the first time he pops his claws, he's, he's off-panel. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are several characters in this book that don't have a lot of screen time. Uh, so to speak, right. and Wolverine is not in the book that much. Um, not a whole he lot. Has no. Some great moments, but he's not, you know, throughout the book. Um, I also want to point out uh, we've passed it already, but in, in the first page with the training, we get another of uh, Wolverine saying "flamin," which is <laughs> yes, <laughs> a phrase we'll we'll see several times in the book. Oh, and eighties Wolverine loves that. So right, it's his F word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I guess so. Back to the comics. I, I really do like the panel where they show Colossus getting hit by missiles and lasers and stuff. It looks it looks great, except for the coloring, uh, which is just a you know a technological thing. But otherwise, I, I love that panel. Yeah, I think it looks pretty cool. It makes him look huge. Yeah, he looks sure. like a giant. <laughs> yeah, and we get some nice stuff of you know Nightcrawler like dodging missiles and and showing him flipping around. It's it's all really good stuff. And the, and the next, all right, so we get to my first uh, sort of example of facial expressions, sort of not for the next type of thing. We've <laughs> got sort of a, a disembodied head of, of Professor X. Yes, yeah, very goofy looking. And, 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 and you know, uh, we've got Kitty Pride walking in, you know, saying, hey, guys, dinner's ready. Because <laughs> obviously girls have to make the dinner while the guys do the stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> but Professor X is making this 
this face like, hey, girls, I'm, I'm hip, I'm cool. <laughs> I expect a little glint in his teeth. Little right, ding. yeah. Yeah, but it you know it, it still looks wonderful, but it's like it doesn't quite always match up. Right, and then we get hints, uh, not hints. We get, we see a couple of panels of Cyclops practicing his optic beams on pool balls, which is kind of cool to see him practicing. You know, yeah, um, angles and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think it's funny. <laughs> it, it is funny, but well, the other thing he calls them irresistible force beams. Yes. But also on that first panel, he's very clearly putting up a cue stick. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, almost like, hey, I'm in the middle of a game. I've been playing pool, but I'm going to stop and finish up because Professor called me. He rang the dinner bell. So this is a good yeah, chance yeah, yeah. to, you know, practice my eye beams and finish up the game real fast. But all the balls on the table are clearly still racked. No, no he just racked them. Yeah. So he got a stick out for no reason, then put it back up. <laughs> And I just noticed he's in a suit. It's like his day off and he's yeah. in a suit playing pool. I will say, though, the the panel work on that, where you kind of slide down in your view, mm-hmm. and then the the last panel of that section is just the table, looks really yeah. cool. No, I think it's really well done. Unfortunately, the, the storm panel next next door is is her face looks off storm in this whole series face looks off a little bit that would be my kind of my only real complaint yeah is that storm he doesn't quite get storm mm-hmm. but but she is watering her marijuana so that's good yeah, yeah that's what it looks like <laughs> and then and then we we see that you know after a long long day that everyone's going to sleep and <laughs> Xavier is falling asleep on on the count, uh, you know, the computer console. Yes, all work, no says, play. That guy. Yeah, well, says you know he still suffers from all too human feelings, like his <laughs> uh, his crushes on all of his teenage students, or you yeah. know, where where he he faked his own death and hid in the basement for you know ten years. <laughs> all his feelings. I think it's funny that sleep is a human failing. I definitely feel that every night. Like, oh yeah. man, I'm such a failure. I can't believe I have to rest. <laughs> so anyway, um, then we move on to a strange blue hand. Uh, Those are the raddest gloves in comics history. They're pretty cool, right? Sort of, I uh, don't mind tapping Professor X and bringing forth uh, the memories of Jean Grey. And then on the next page, we, we, we get, you know, similar panels of all the other X-Men. Yep. Sort of thinking about Jean Grey. And uh, and then Kitty wakes up. Did you notice uh, that Wolverine had his claws partially out? Oh, he did. I didn't notice that. <laughs> That's where your introduction, where your nickname came oh, from. Oh, man. <laughs> I, to be fair, I actually think it's kind of cool. I don't think they're trying to say he sleeps like that all the time. I think because he's actually, he's making a fist and clenching. You can see where the bed sheet is wrinkled. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's the nightmare like causing it. So I thought For that sure. was actually a very subtle, nice touch. And I missed it the first read-through. No, I, I read this maybe two or three times. I didn't catch that. So that that's a nice catch. And then Kitty wakes up, and we see this grinning face. <laughs> and, you know, to be honest, like, it's, it's a scary-looking face, but I wasn't sure at first who it was. I'm still not 100% sure who it's supposed to be. Right? It almost looks like an, like an evil beast or like a Mr. Sinister face. Yes. But it's I think it's probably Metron. Um, you think so? Well, like the glove, it's def- It's not. The glove not looks like. Side. See, this is where where I'm confused, and the reason I'm confused is because it does either look like Metron or maybe a Parademon. But at the end of the book, Kitty says something that is supposed to indicate who this is, 
Yeah, it no, doesn't really it's... match up to the hand. Exactly. So, I don't know, but I do think Metallica must have read this book because uh, Pity uh, <laughs> Kitty <laughs> is uh, gripping her pillow tight. Oh man, isn't she? <laughs> she looks freaked out. But, and so then she falls through the this, floor. This... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, you know, all the other X-Men somehow wake up, I guess, due to her scream. And yeah. they got to make sure she's okay. At, at this point, how old is Kitty? I mean, how long has she been with the team? Uh, not a real long time. Uh, she's about 13. We've already covered the issue on the flashback episodes, but not long after this, like mm-hmm. a few months maybe, she has her 14th birthday in Shi'ar space. So, okay. So she's, she's 13-ish. Because she is not drawn in the book like a 13-year-old. She never but, is. No, we, yeah. <laughs> we complain about that on the podcast constantly, that yeah. young Kitty is a little bit too mature and sometimes a little too sexualized. She's not really sexualized in this book, but she's definitely doesn't <clears throat> look 13. Oh, yeah, she's definitely not. You know, I didn't, I didn't find the yeah, she's not sexualized in this book at all. Uh, but, but moving on, we see, you know, Storm cradling Kitty and... Uh, you know, they feel like someone else is in the other room. So Scott goes to take a look. Nice jammies, just... by the way. Oh, man. Those are so old school jammies. <laughs> I've never seen anyone wear jammies like that. <laughs> it's only like TV jammies. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, what was that show? Uh, what that old corny show with the, the family? <laughs> oh, yeah, that that narrows it down for you, right, Georgie? Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> No, it's the one with, is it the Waltons? What was the name of that show? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or Leave It to Beaver. It was, it's those kind of PJs. The Waltons. Good night, Jim Bob. Good yeah. night, you know, whatever. <laughs> Have you seen the Family Guy where they do that? Oh, yeah. And they're going through and they're turning on the lights and they're like, John Boy? Good night, John Boy? And he's like, damn it, can a guy masturbate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think... This page, except for the first panel where Storm looks a little odd, is she has a lot pink of eye. Really... Is, is your issue have pink eye? Yeah, she's got total pink eye. Oh, by the way, how are you reading this? Did you find an old issue, or did you get a digital copy? Or oh, this is all digital. Okay. Um, I mean, in Japan, finding a copy is yeah, tough. yeah, and, probably and, so. And ordering anything online to get shipped here, the shipping is just—it's uh, not worth. It. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. The reason I was asking is sometimes the digital versions will be corrected a little bit, so I just wasn't sure if you have some of the same errors that I have. But no, it's it's still. I mean, you know, back in the day, the coloring uh, technology just wasn't, you know, it was, it was kind of poor. So you you would see those kind of errors uh, pop up. I think some of that was more. I think some of it's coloring. I think some of it's also the, the printing process. Yeah, for sure. Like the for coloring sure. may not have been bad on the actual physical paper that she colored. But by the time it got printed and transferred, yeah. it moved a little bit. Which yeah. is why when you look at a comic like this that's, let's see, 10, 20, 30 years old, you've got you've to you know, keep that in your mind when, yes. when you're um, looking at the art. Definitely. But aside from, I guess, that and maybe the, the, the first panel where Scott appears, the, the, uh, the other four panels are gorgeous. Art. Yes, aren't they? Man. That comes, I really so love, basically, um, uh, Scott sees an apparition in Gene. Yeah, asking for help, and she kind of she tries to like run up and hug him, but she basically dissipates. And that yeah. scene of Scott like in disbelief with his arms out and like the pink and orange smoke around him, that's a great that's panel. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous stuff. Even with the you know the color limitations of the day, it looks wonderful. I kind of like the colors on that one to be honest, but I don't mind well, some of the purples and pinks. So I think it looks wonderful still. Yeah, I you know I just. 
just noticed on the panel where he's like Gene, and you see in the very bottom the other X Men in like uh, yellow colored uh, yeah. sketches. They look rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sketchy, but uh, yeah. Wolverine's got his claws out. Nightcrawler is unrecognizable. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the ne- the next panel, you see Scott angry and he's screaming Gene, and got sort of like it's all red and sort of the force beams sort of glinting off his glasses. Yeah, you kind of want to see like you kind of want the next panel to be like him blowing a hole through the roof or something, right? But. So I actually chose that panel as my avatar on uh, Twitter at the moment. It's, nice. Yeah, I love the panel. Awesome. So then moving on, um, we're taken to New York City, and we've got the Teen Titans Tower, <laughs> which I only knew it was the Teen Titans Tower because of the animated TV show. Right. This wonder of modern architecture. <laughs> yeah, this giant T that's just like there in, in Central Park in, in New York. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing about this crossover that that irks me more than anything else okay. is that instead of, of of coming up with you've got the source wall you've got other ideas like hey these characters crossed over somehow you know we, we don't do that we just say yeah they're in the same universe they just they never met each other before so all those other times when the world was going to get blown up they just never you know <laughs> cross paths with these other hundred heroes and villains that exist in the same earth it 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 irks me. See, I kind of like it. I, I agree with everything you're saying that it kind of makes both teams seem weak that they just avoided or set out on the sidelines, all these different things that came before. How could they avoid each other? Yeah. But at the same time, I thought it was kind of cool that like, you don't get this anymore. Now for any kind of intercompany crossover, there has to be some kind of cockamamie like, Oh, yeah. Some way for them to get... Like, the later in the 90s, or maybe it was early 2000s, the Marvel versus DC they did, mm-hmm. I, it was almost like a battle world, secret war situation. Yeah. They had to be yeah. both removed from their universe and brought somewhere else. And I kind of like the sure. idea, and maybe it's the kid in me, mm-hmm. because when I was playing with toys and stuff, like, Spider-Man and Batman had adventures together all the time. <laughs> like, I didn't discriminate. And, like, that's one thing yeah. I love. With with Ethan now has all the Legos and stuff. Like, there's Marvel and DC. You can, like, build stuff together, and it's really cool. And, like, you know, growing up, I uh, Cameron, who does a lot of the flashback episodes with me, yeah. um, we had a... <laughs> really, I probably shouldn't say this. This is really nerdy. <laughs> but um, we had a game that we played. We used a lot of... Uh, GoBot bases and stuff, and we called it the Prime Coordinator. It was this GoBot space shuttle head that we made like our deity. He was like our mm-hmm. god. And then um, we combined all our G.I. Joe and Star Wars figures and vehicles together nice. and made this nice. big, like, expansive, like, really detailed, interlocking universe. And so there's a part of me that really enjoys the fact that they just kind of are in the same place and they run into each other and they're slightly... I mean, yeah, it's forced where he's like, oh, I read about the X-Men in the newspaper. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's awkward, but at the same time, there's something charming about it. I don't know. It's, but, it's, it's much simpler. It's yes. nicer that way, for sure. And plus, anyway. I don't know, just having all the toys in the same toy box was interesting to me. No, I, I totally, I, I feel you on that but, point. But I do sure. agree. I all, all the problems you point out, I agree are problems. I just, I was a little more forgiving of it. 
it's it's something as a crossover like this you just kind of have to let go right so we're like i said you know 15 minutes ago (laughs) we're we're at teen titans tower and there's raven sleeping and she's got her soul self which i don't really understand this other sort of i don't know telepathic self that's a dark bird or something right (laughs) um whatever it's cool comics anyway in in her dreams and and she's attacked by the phoenix that's an awesome panel oh where she's attacked oh yeah yeah uh that's simonson goodness right there the phoenix attacking the what the blackbird whatever that is oh yeah i have a question and i guess based on your introduction you probably don't know do raven's ears glow 24 7 Is that like an earring or something? I don't know what's I going thought on. it was, but it's always sparkling, like every panel. So I wasn't sure. I, like I told you, my, my biggest <laughs> uh, reference is the is the, the, the right. Cartoon Network TV show. So she wakes up and she's you know she's screaming, and the panel of her screaming waking up is nice. But there's no way that she's a teenager. She's like 30, no. 35 years old <laughs> screaming, waking up. <laughs> And we kind it's of get a a, uh, a parallel of the X-Men story where everybody comes running at the screaming girl. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we get, we get Starfire coming first to, like, comfort her. I do like the way Starfire is drawn throughout the series. Ooh, that hair, um, though. That's That's got to be a lot to keep up with. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> um, you know, later on, there's a panel of her and Storm, and you just think, wow, how do they handle their hair? Right. Um, so then we get um, what they call Changeling, but who I know is Beast Boy yes. comes walking in. Man, and you thought Cyclops jammies were cool. <laughs> Apparently every night <laughs> for Beast hot. Boy is Valentine's night. <laughs> <laughs> in his dreams, for sure. Right. <laughs> so he comes in saying, you know, what's what's the problem? And Starfire is like, oh, Raven had a nightmare about this, this bird, you know, destroying stuff. Right. It's something it, it, you can only get in comics. Beast Boy perfectly mimics the yeah, Phoenix exactly. bird without ever seeing it. And I love that, that Starfire just right away just punches him in the face. <laughs> He's like, the Phoenix, no! Ah! <laughs> and you know, throughout this issue, he is annoying. I would have punched him too. He's right? annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those characters that, like, everybody talks, like, all the other Teen Titans talk about how annoying he is, and you're like, oh, poor guy. But then you, you're like, oh, no, wait, I kind of agree. <laughs> no, he is, he is like, do you remember, oh, I'm going to bring this back to the old uh, X-Men cartoon, but the first episode we had, um, what was his name? Changeling, right? Morph, yeah. Morph, Morph, yeah, yeah. And he was annoying as fuck as well. Yes. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So Starfire is like, you know, we better hope that was only a dream because if it's the Phoenix, we, you know, the universe is doomed. Right, right. I do want to point out a very subtle piece of conversation here. That So Raven tells Starfire, she says, sometimes my dreams come true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because the rest of this book is based on the fact that her dreams come true 100% of the time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so then we move on to some gangsters or some criminals, you know, speeding <laughs> away on a car. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But then Kid Flash shows up. And and one of the, the guy driving is like, 
you know, I can't, I can't drive anymore. Someone swiped our engine. <laughs> and I don't understand how the Kid Flash, even if he's moving super speed, has, has the strength to, like, pull apart an engine. Right. Then he's tossing the parts aside as he runs off. And yeah, so... and, and then he's, like, running over, like, water. I don't know where he's going, but it's, it's you know, Kid Flash is doing his thing, so that's yeah. cool. I just, I think it would have been better if they just said, oh, someone unplugged our alternator. You know, it's like, yeah, make it something really easy that he can just kind of put his hand in there and pull some wires and some cords, and the car still dies, and they can't restart it, but the whole engine's missing. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. Yeah, I don't know how you, how would you even start with that? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Even with his one semester of auto shop. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, this is the uh, the oil stick. I guess I can take this out. Uh, oh, uh, then we move on to Donna Troy, who's Wonder Girl, uh, yes. you know, arrives at Titan's Tower. And maybe you can help me out. She's talking about going on a date with Terry. Do you have any idea who that is? I do not. I'm sorry. No biggie. No. So she comes back and they're like, yo, there's, there's, there's problems. We got to fix stuff. And, and Wonder Girl gets very little time in the rest of the book. Yeah. <laughs> She's in like three other panels. She's basically like there for Beast Boy to hit on, and that's about it. You know, I, I would hit on her. She's, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then we move on to um, Cyborg. This, to who... me, is the most awkward panel in the book. <laughs> I don't believe that this guy who's a cybernetic mesh of man, and what I'm assuming is heavy metal, can yeah. swing so slyly through the city skyline on one rope. Right? Like Batman, Robin, yeah, dude, swing them around all over the place. Spider-Man, definitely. I just don't picture Cyborg as a guy who swings around. I don't know. Yeah. It's very non, non-technological. non Right. <laughs> you know, my, my body is half like supercomputer, but I'm swinging around on <laughs> a rope throughout the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other thing, you know, he's swinging by and he sees a skyscraper that's, that's fallen down. And he says, oh, I saw in the news that this was the X-Men that destroyed this building. Yeah. Bunch Do you of outlaws. Where that's coming from? <laughs> um, was that an issue? It's probably from a recent issue of X-Men. Uh, they did just have a thing where they fought the Hellfire Club. So okay. it could be related to that. Uh, I don't... They they make a big point to show the street sign is 57th and Madison mm-hmm. in the wreckage, but that doesn't really jump out at me. So well, I'm assuming yeah. I'm assuming this is probably around the Hellfire Club area. Okay. So, uh, which were great issues. Oh um, yeah, fantastic stuff. And and the other thing I noticed about Cyborg throughout this book is he's got a mouth on him. He's uh he's not a friendly dude. Yeah. And I don't know. I know he's a really popular character. I look at this early design and I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what gets me is the strap around the forehead. Yeah, that I seems so unnecessary. Yeah, but anyway, he, he makes, me. <laughs> yeah, he makes his way back to uh, Teen Titans Tower and they're discussing stuff and oh, where's Robin? And then next panel in Gotham City because. You know, Teen Titans Tower is in New York, but, you know, Gotham is where Robin operates. Right. He's taken down some some dude who's trying to steal stuff in his pixie boots, in his <laughs> hairless legs. Yeah. And uh, his, his perfectly shaved athletic thighs. 
right? Uh, so he takes out this dude, but then uh, all of a sudden, Deathstroke, the Terminator, attacks him. And I, I, I really do enjoy Deathstroke as a Man, character. I do too. Ah, uh, yeah, I really love. He's, just, he's so cool looking. Like when they right. designed, when George Perez designed him, he did good. It's just such a great looking character, even with the old Captain America space pirate boots. I don't mm-hmm. care. Like he just looks awesome. Yeah. And and what did you think, sort of on uh, a tangent? What did you think of uh, Deathstroke on Arrow? You know, I'm, I have a a very uh, nerd shame confession to make. Mm-hmm. I just watched the first pilot of Arrow last night. So I'm oh, way really? be, I'm way behind. Um, okay, it's just one of those shows that we've been watching so much TV lately, and I wanted to watch it, and then people kind of talked about how the first season was kind of slow, and I'm I'm much more into the Marvel shows, so I've been more mm-hmm. I've been watching more Ages and Short. It's it's always been on my list to watch, but I'm just now getting around to it. So okay, I will say it, even in that pilot, you have this weird thing on the island when they show Deathstroke's mask. Oh yeah, and the mask looks yeah. really cool. Doesn't so, it? But, um, yeah, you should you should definitely. Um, I mean, the first season, the first half is very CW, but right. uh, it does it gets better. And, and season two is is really nice. Well, um, well, the impetus that made me kind of hurry up <laughs> is I really want to watch Flash, but I want to watch oh, yeah. Arrow first. So when I get to the crossover, I'm not like what. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, I do want to point out when Robin beats this crook and unmasks him, he sees this really ugly mug and he doesn't know what it is because that comes into play. Later, yeah. So. It does. And then we have badass really Deathstroke noticed. attacking Robin. Yeah. I, I like Robin's like, it'll take a better man than you to finish me, mister. <laughs> right. Like, like that's, that's some insult. Right. But I like how it doesn't. Or, or if it does, they prove that Deathstroke is a better man, which is cool because to me, Deathstroke should be at the top of the list of DC villains. Mm-hmm. Like, like he he is one of the baddest ass characters around, or should be, and so you know maybe Batman can take him out, but Robin shouldn't be able to. Uh, when we get to Nightwing, so, it should be a little closer uh-huh. of a fight, but even then, I'm not sure. But yeah, the fact that Deathstroke just kind of kicks him in the face and is done, uh-huh. like I thought was pretty uh-huh. cool. And I'm a I'm a Dick Grayson Robin fan. Uh, all the I like Dick Grayson as well. All the shameful costuming aside, um, I really do. I do really enjoy the character, and so it's mm-hmm. not like an anti-Robin thing. I just think it's cool that Deathstroke so easily. Oh yeah, it, just, and, it and makes that's a nice panel when he kicks him right in the face. Right. Honestly, too, I think the fact that it is Robin steps up Deathstroke's game because it's well, the first sure. exposure of Deathstroke knocking out Beast Boy. Who really cares? But the oh, fact that sure. he took out Robin, like, oh wow, this guy's really formidable. Like he's a really He's really high on the food chain, and so I, I thought it was a really nice interaction. Yeah, so I mean, I I, I like the kick. Um, I would have liked a little bit more interaction fighting wise, but uh, Deathstroke's a, a badass, so it's right. it's a nice interaction for sure. Yeah, well, that that phrase you just said, I would like a little more fighting interaction wise, is a phrase that you're gonna see a lot in this comic. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, then we, we scoot over to Jean Grey's parents' house, and the <laughs> the blackbird is just sitting on their lawn, <laughs> right. like you do. I hope none of the neighbors see that. <laughs> How do you even land it that way? You know. <laughs> anyway. Right. Well, I um, guess the blackbird has the what it has VTOL, the vertical takeoff and yeah. landing. So. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess so. 
Uh, you, you know. The other hilarious thing is the X-Men go to talk to Jean's parents, but they don't go dressed like normal people. They they get in their costumes first. Right. To wake up Jean's parents <laughs> to talk to them in the middle of the night. Uh, I will say this is classic 80s Claremont. There's a lot of verbiage in this book. Yeah. And some of it is a little excessive, superfluous. But I, I thought this conversation with her parents was really cool and in depth. No, I did too. Because they're like, man, we just got used to her being dead and now she might be back and just the pain of like unburying your dead daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, and just, it was really touching. What I like actually, there's a panel with Wolverine sitting on a table, like uh, yes. turned away from everyone. Yeah. Like he's super sad and like, yeah. Can't bear to face him. Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, feelings are not something Wolverine's good at. So he's, right. he's yeah. turned away. Yeah, it's a very subtle image, but it very much nails the character. For sure. So, um, you know, the parents say that, you know, someone came to warn them uh, about, you know, something happening. And then we get uh, on the next page, this really sort of cool, brightly lit image of uh, Professor X in his astral form, you know, yeah. summoning the X-Men. And, and there's the panel of his face, but the panel next to him of Cyclops looking up and the light like shining down on him. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. He's like, Jesus, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me, Cyclops. Right. <laughs> I will say, I agree. It's really cool. Uh, the way Simonson draws the astral figure kind of looks like Dazzler power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, It's nice. So um, Professor X says that, um, you know, the appearance of, of Phoenix coincides with other appearances, you know, around the, uh, the Earth. So we need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I know where all of these scenes are, except for the one in Texas. Hmm. I, I can't remember what story beat that is. Um, I have no idea. If, if any listeners can remember, we've, I'm sure we talked about it, unless it was before Wolverine came along. But I don't think it would be, because... Wolverine was already here when we first introduced the Phoenix concept. Right. And mm. this seems to all be like Phoenix powers. Sure. The Kennedy Airport is when they came back from Shi'ar space and they crash landed the space shuttle there. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. And the North Atlantic is that same issue where yes, Jean resurrects herself and pulls everybody out of the water. And Arctica is when they went to the Savage Land. And, of course, Scotland is a uh, Muir Island stuff. Mm. But I just I don't remember... Because we talk about later, they go to this mesa in Arizona. and I, So I remember yes, them being yes. in the desert, but I don't remember the Texas part. So if anybody remembers what they're referring to, please uh, tweet or, e- or email or whatever and let us know because I'd be very interested. And then we get a, a nice panel of Wolverine talking to Professor X. It's just it's tiny little thing, but it's just another way for Simonson to showcase how well uh, he is at, at, how good he is at drawing Wolverine. Yeah. Looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we flash back to the Teen Titans who have caught up with Robin. Yeah. Um, you know, Robin has had some band on him that was, you know, activated when they called the alarm and, and he didn't show up. So they, they searched him out. Right. And they found out that, you know, someone beat, beat him up, you know, a kick to the face. <laughs> but what really surprised me, and maybe this has to, to do with me not knowing so much about the DC side. But the Raven's like, let me heal you with my empathic powers. Yeah, that's something she does. I'm not super aware of it either, but I know it's something like she pulls power from like 
the demon world or realm or whatever. And so, because basically, and I think they say this in here earlier, she's she's like a half demon. Yeah. So she has access to like, it kind of reminds me a lot actually of, uh, they don't use it the same way, but kind of with magic. In mm-hmm. in New Mutants Marvel lore, um, yeah. how she kind of has access to Limbo due to mm-hmm. her kind of origin there. So I think this is kind of her way of just kind of pulling powers from another dimension. Okay, so, so she heals Robin, and uh, they're like, uh, "Look, there's you know some shit went down. We we sounded the alarm, and then um, you know Firestorm shows up, and uh, you know she's like." And this is another sort of continuity thing where she talks about when she first, you know, right before she joined the Titans, Lalandra contacted her, her starship saying, look out for the Phoenix. Right. And it just does, you know, you, this is the first time you ever bring this up. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's that kind of, all right, I'm going to throw that, that continuity, you know, problem aside. Right. All right. That happened. So she knows about the Phoenix and she's like, look, we got to take care of this shit. Otherwise, uh, it's going to destroy everything. Exactly. And we get a really cool panel here off uh, a starship uh, by Simonson. Yeah, it's nice. So and then the, the plane is blowing up. Looks really cool. Yeah. We understand the stakes. You know, we, the universe could end all because of this. Yeah. She's like, well, if, 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 if the, the other Titans don't follow me, then I'll go on my own. <laughs> <laughs> because you no know, one else had ever suggested that they weren't going to help her, but you know, whatever. Well, they and, all had different they missions they wanted to go on. They were arguing about their missions. Beast Boy wanted, when he found out Deathstroke was involved, he's like, oh, I owe him a score to settle, as if he could. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, you think, you know, he could turn into like a T-Rex? He could do something. That's true. Just chop his head off. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but Robin's like, no, you're not going alone. We're, we're in this together. And then Starfire just like starts making out with him. Right. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I'm curious because I know by the time we get to Nightwing, like they become a couple. Right. And I wonder if in the regular Titans book up to this point, there's been any hint of that because he seems kind of surprised. And if yeah, this, I'm... if this is the start of their kind of relationship or the, huh. the hints of it, that's pretty interesting. That it would, Again, it's weird kind of what would happen. Well, especially... Because this is a Chris Claremont book, so he's not even mm-hmm. writing the Titans. So it'd be really interesting if, like, the Titans creators, like, if Wolfman read this and was like, "Oh man, yeah, let's do that," and he didn't even come up with the idea. Like, that's really yeah, yeah, you're right. Just the behind the scenes part of this is very interesting. I don't sure. know, but the panel above that, <laughs> the tall, skinny panel of Starfire. Yeah, her hair is nuts. Oh, it's it's it, like it nine feet tall. Panel. Yeah. She's like, she's like, what's her name from the Inhumans? Um, Medusa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing I noticed was her, how much her costume and Storm's costume is is very similar. Yes. Yeah. We've got so the bikini top, but you know everything else is basically exposed right. to uh, <laughs> to the elements. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I didn't think it was weird though uh, that panel. Because that's kind of the unsexiest sexy pose I've ever seen. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> like it's, very, it's very weirdly bland. But she's like got her hand on her hip and her leg kind of cocked to the side. And you know her, her boobs are out in the forefront like it's supposed to be sexy, but it's not at all. So no, it's not. It's very strange. Um, yeah. So then they're like, okay, you know, we know the Phoenix is part of the X-Men, so we got to we gotta go after the X-Men. 
Right. And then elsewhere. Um, and we've got this great sort of Kirby-esque. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and it, what I really do enjoy, uh, and this goes with other panels as well, this is, this is great angles to the view. Right. Um, and, and this is, uh, I don't know, the layer of a dark side or some sort of uh, technological outpost yes. where they're working on something. And it, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. When I, I also want to throw out a shout out to Terry Austin. He is one of the best inkers in the biz at this time. Mm-hmm. And I really like when he chooses and doesn't choose to make the really thick outlines that he does mm-hmm. because it really adds a lot of depth to the picture. And Oh, you're right. And like here, like he does the really dark outlines on the top layer of the cables yeah, only. Yeah, and yeah. just, I don't know, it, it almost gives like a three-dimensional look to it. It's really cool. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that. Well, that's wonderful. And then we get our first look at uh, the Terminator mask off, yeah. white hair, just enjoying a drink. <laughs> <laughs> On his beach chair at this base of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he's watching some alien TV. I'm going to assume it's alien porn. Um, yep. And then he's attacked suddenly, and he reacts with the speed of thought. That's pretty As fast. They say. <laughs> and he throws some some I don't know projectiles at this other dude who's I don't know some demon some some lackey for dark seed and they have a little like you know don't fuck with me and, and he's like well you don't fuck with me and then <laughs> dark seed shows up and sorry dark side shows up. Uh, and, I've heard both, so you can go either way. Well, the spelling is is weird. Yeah. Um, so then he tells uh, dark side tells you you know. Ravik, who is this other demon guy, to go get the X-Men. And he tells both these guys, quit messing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very, like, mom and dad thing to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't care who started it. You both stop or you're both going to be punished. For sure, for sure. So then moving on, I mean, it's just a little little brief page with yeah. the uh, dark side stuff. But then we're back at the X-Mansion. And Chuck has fallen asleep Again. on his chair. Because <laughs> that works out so well for him. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, Starfire busts through the wall and uh, is about to like punch punch the shit out of uh, Professor X. Yeah. Who just says no and shoots something at her. And the next page you find out it's some cybolt. Yeah, it's a cybolt. They're very inconsistent mean? with that power. Yeah. Because, so. It looks like it's almost like an energy bolt, but she's like knocked out. I don't know. It's it's really like, you know, what what can Professor X do exactly? I really know. I mean, because it's not telepathic, so we're still using his slightly um, undefined telekinetic abilities. Exactly. <laughs> so, but it knocks her out, whatever it does. So, yeah. But uh, Cyborg is there to use his, you know. His technology to that's uh, a cool panel where he no, shoots the semisonics to up- disrupt his mental powers. That's oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure about the science, but it looks awesome, <laughs> sure does. But Professor X is still too strong, and it takes Raven to wrap him up in her her <laughs> size self or whatever, right. her, her soul cloak, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, and knocks him out, and then Robin shows up, and I... um. And he's like, what were you doing? You can't just like jump into someone's house. Right. I really like Robin on these next couple of pages because he's, he's the reasonable one. He's the leader of the team. 
And he is. He's like, dude, we can't. He's like, no one's guilty until, or innocent until proven guilty. Like, we got to give these guys the benefit of a doubt. And we, we're not above the law. We still have to follow laws. We can't break into people's houses and stuff. And yeah. it also mentions that he's the one that kind of traced the Phoenix back and found out where the X-Men lived and all that. So I mm-hmm. like that they kind of point out that he's like a good detective. Yeah. And it, just, it was really cool. Like, he definitely at this point, like, is an, a little bit older Robin. He's definitely, like, falling under Batman's wing. He's his protege. And they really play up that kind of, like, he's ready to move on because we're not that far from Nightwing. So I thought, I thought it was really cool. They made him so cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He definitely does come off as a good leader in the book. Yeah. Um, and as he's sort of, you know, lecturing the other uh, team, the <laughs> shock commandos attack. Yeah. We can like some alien samurais. Yeah. It's, you know, that panel, I don't know if I want to see, I don't know what to think about that panel. I'm still sort of uh, iffy on it um, with the the demons attacking. Yeah. But, uh, but they jump in. And they take out Cyborg. They take out the Flash. You know, it's uh, it's they get taken out pretty easily, honestly. Yeah, they kind of do, and they mistake the Titans for the X Men, so they're which they're, is weird. Yeah, and they even try to explain it because they're like, "Oh, Cyborg, he's big metal guy. That must be Colossus." Let oh me, yeah. <laughs> let, let me check my X Men directory. Okay, next. Oh wait, I don't recognize the fast guy. He must be a new student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, they take out Kid Flash, uh, Wonder Girl, you know, gi- gives a couple of them what for, but eventually uh, the superior, as they say, technology and, and numbers uh, takes out the Teen Titans, except for Beast Boy, who is, I don't know, hiding in the corner. I don't know. What- <laughs> I don't know what- <laughs> yeah. But he, he shifts into a parademon, which they went to really far lengths to say, I can only do animals, but these guys are aliens. They're not quite human, so I can mimic them. <laughs> but really he just... also mimics their armor. Right. Yeah. It was really kind of awkward. But and, and yeah, you know, that's so a good so... point, George. It would seem like if he could only mimic, like he doesn't become a tiger with a gun. He's just a tiger. So it would yeah. seem like even if he did mimic them, he would just turn into a naked parademon, not a fully armored. That's a good point. That makes me like or it even less. It's all fleshy. I don't really know. Right, yeah. Uh, so they, they open, I guess, a, a boom tube to go back. Yeah. And um, he sneaks in with them. All right, so next page. We're at a remote location in New Mexico where uh, Deathstrike has this giant machine trying to suck up old uh, Phoenix energy. Right. This is where uh, Scott and Gene first made love. Yeah. On top of this boot. Butte. Hey, but, whatever you say. They're knocking boots on the boot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I will say this this machine, while excessively large, is pretty glorious looking. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so we get this, this great first introduction of Wolverine uh, versus Deathstrike. Yeah. So, but what's he poking him with? It's a cigar. Is it? <laughs> and he doesn't... Real- cigar that's what it kind of looks like but he doesn't have a cigar the rest of the issue does he no but he also says got a light bub oh there you go okay and i think <laughs> i know it's just the mask 
with Deathstroke's one eye. It looks like he has eyelashes in that, oh, yeah, for sure. in that panel. <laughs> so we have Lady Deathstroke from one panel. Um, and that was really cool because Deathstroke turns around and you know someone's back there. Yeah. And he misses. And he's like, what? And Wolverine's like, too bad. I didn't. And him punching, like backhanding Deathstroke is an awesome panel. Right. So this is the thing. I wanted more of this. Oh, oh, yeah. Versus Deathstroke. I, all right. So I was going to say this for the end, but I'll say it now because, yeah, I could have done a whole miniseries of just Wolverine and Deathstroke. That's what I'm saying. And we get like, because I was like, oh, man, I saw this. I was like, okay, well, the image from the episode, I'll find a really cool issue of Deathstroke and Wolverine. And that'll be like the best image ever. And there's just not a lot to choose from. No. But, but yeah, man, and I was going to say, because I, I mentioned earlier an artist I'd love to see draw Wolverine that I never have. Um, I don't think I have. Now I'm starting to doubt myself. He may have done a brief <laughs> stint in the early 2000s, but I don't remember. But anyway, I would love to see current day Tony Daniel, who's doing the new mm. Deathstroke book. Yeah. Like him doing like a, a short miniseries of just Wolverine versus Deathstroke and like Madripoor. I would eat that up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we have very precious little Wolverine Deathstroke action, but this is a cool panel. Um, You know, both panels are are really nice. Yeah, Wolverine looks awesome. Yeah. And we get, you know, um, Cyclops shooting people with his irresistible (laughs) optic glass. It's irresistible. Yeah. So irresistible. It it, it reminds me of the, uh, what do you call it? What's the X-Men podcast? Um, uh, which one? <laughs> yeah, Danger Room. Yeah, Uncanny X Cast. Yeah, Danger Room because they always treat him like a playboy. Was like, yeah, yeah okay, I'm right, right. <laughs> like irresistible psionic beings. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so he's shooting people, and then Colossus just like rips his metal yeah. tower off, off the ground. And then we get this really interesting panel of of Storm uh, shooting some wind or like tornadoes at these guys. And right. you're not really sure where her hair ends and the wind begins. Right. For all we know, all of that is hair. <laughs> no, that's what I thought at first, honestly. <laughs> but it looked gorgeous. I love it. Yes. And, and you know, I, I made a comment earlier. I didn't really particularly enjoy Simonson's Storm, but she no. looks really good in this panel. No, that panel is great. And then we see, you know, uh, Kitty and Nightcrawler, you know, jump in to do a little bit of damage. But uh, then the, the tables are quickly turned as Deathstroke uh, shoots Storm with, like, some fear gas. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. And then, you know, shoot some other gas at the other, other X-Men to knock them out. And, and then uh, Cyclops gets shot. That panel is cool because you see the optic beam, like, kind of flicker. Yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah. And, and what I really noticed was when Colossus goes to take out Deathstroke and, and Deathstroke <laughs> flips him and we get this one panel of Colossus like shocked that uh, he's getting flipped over. That that four panel sequence there is hilariously awesome. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's so comedic. Because oh, yeah. like Colossus is charging full steam and Deathstroke just kind of ducks down and like Flips him over, and yeah, you're right. Like Colossus has this, like, oh boy, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you kind of see like a Looney Tune thing where like Colossus kind of freezes over the cliff for a second and then like drops. 
And then Deathstroke just stands there on the edge and gloats. Yeah, it, it's great. Oh, so, man. obviously, uh, Deathstroke is the victor. Yeah, which, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him taking out the X-Men temporarily. It happens all the time. Yeah. And he's the guy to do it. Like I said, I'm, I have no problem with Deathstroke being the baddest ass in the comic. So... And then we switch back to the wall where we've got these giant heads shooting energy. It's really sort of far out, freaky, uh, you know, uh, I wish I was on drugs kind of looking yeah. at this panel. It looks great. It's a double yeah. page spread. Yeah, not entirely sure what's going on, but it looks cool. <laughs> no, for sure. And we find out Ravik has brought back the Titans, who he has confused for the X-Men. <laughs> right. I do love that scene of Darkseid where he's in the shadow and you have the halftone background and all you oh, see yeah. is like his outline and then his red eyes. It looks really cool. No, oh, it does look great. What I do like is the panel next door where Ravik's like, come on, it's the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, I did just what you said. Yeah. And Deathstroke shows up with the real X-Men. He's like, no, no idiot. These are the X-Men. <laughs> and, 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 um, Darkseed is not happy. No, he's not. And then to make matters worse, he notices the Beast Boy, who in that top panel looks like he's yawning. He's <laughs> like, oh man, this parademon stuff is exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> but he's like, Darkseid's like, I didn't know I had a, a, a totally green dude. Right. <laughs> you got to think, Ravik, how did you not notice like dude who's all this exact same color, even right. his armor? Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so he's not very high on the food chain, obviously. Darkseid takes him out with his Omega effect. Which, you know, I'm not that versed with, with um, Darkseid. I, I know him more from, like, the, the cartoon and the, and the animated movies. Right. But they always say his Omega beams. Yes, they do Omega. now. That's the, that's the current terminology. Um, okay. And basically, it's just little eye beams that can zigzag all over the place and uh, disintegrate people. So Which look great the, this is really interesting the way that they they, they jump angularly all yeah. around the page yeah and that's a very kirby thing that he did and i like the way simonson apes it yeah you see that a lot in the future too or well or present day the future to this comic and they change colors and stuff over time but there's always still that like just kind of zigzaggy all over the place yeah and yeah. then ravik meets his end with the omega effect yeah and it's it's pretty gruesome. We also get a, a great panel of like Kirby crackle around him when he dies. Yes, yes, we do. And Deathstroke's like, "All right, I get it. Don't mess with Darkseid." <laughs> yeah. Which obviously Deathstroke's just like a normal dude. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it wouldn't be a comic without some kind of random superstructure mechanism to trap and use the heroes. So that's what we get <laughs> next. This this might be my favorite panel because of the angle at which it's drawn. It is pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty ridiculous, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. They're, you know, got all the X-Men almost like uh, getting crucified in this space structure. Yeah. And uh, the Teen Titans down below all in, uh, encapsulated. And it, it looks wonderful. I agree. It looks pretty cool. And so basically what they try to drain their energy. Well, they do. They drain the X-Men's energy. I guess the Teen Titans are just captured. That's why they're not up top. Because it doesn't really matter what they do. Yeah. But he somehow drains like the residual psychic memories of the of Gene and the Phoenix from each X-Men 
in what looks like an excruciating process, basically forms his own dark phoenix. That whole page is great. Yes. Well, I like how it's all consistently in the flamey yellow-pinkish color. For sure. Like the whole page. When there's no break from it, that makes a really interesting design. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Dark Phoenix appears, and she goes, Who dares? (laughs) Right. Then we get one of the best pages in the book, I think, where we introduce Dark Phoenix to Dark Side, and they both have their cool, like, evil fonts. And it's a nice full-page spread, and we have the Phoenix bird hanging over Dark Phoenix. And, oh, man, it's just, it looks really cool. It's just a great full page. Yeah, it really is. So what what really surprises me is, like, all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, this is my lover, and this is my lover. Right. (laughs) When did this happen? I guess just, they don't really explain it. My assumption is, my my no-prize explanation, if you will, is that because the Dark Phoenix is wholly dark at this time, she recognizes or senses, like, all the dark energy that Darkseid has and is immediately attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Like just the power. And so that's kind of the basis of her cooperation with him. And they don't yeah, really yeah, say that. that but that's the but only thing I can think of. But all of a sudden it's like my lover and right. my lord, my lover. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she's just grateful that he brought her back. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. it is weird because Phoenix is like this cosmic <clears throat> level force of energy. And it seems like she would not su- suffocate to anybody. But... Mm. I don't know. Anyway, she's back, and they're they're a team. And and Darkseid's like, well, I'm going to turn Earth into a second apocalypse. Yeah. So that I can take over the universe. And his plan just doesn't work for me. Like, like Apocalypse and Earth aren't really close. Why does he need the other Earth to dominate (laughs) the universe? I don't really get it. Right. It's almost like Earth's a constellation prize. Like, like I couldn't take New Genesis, so I'll take... Mm -hmm. Earth, sure, why not? I fought Earthlings before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's very yeah. like, oh, super villain, James Bond, going to tell you my plan. Yeah, tell you my plan, and then I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave you there to escape eventually. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah, yeah. My power was the only thing holding you to the machine, so, you know, just climb down, do what you do. I'm so unstoppable, I don't care. Yeah. But before that, we do get a nice page with uh, Darkseid's face in the middle and yes. panels surrounding him. His plan may like, be dumb, but his telling of it is drawn very nicely. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's nice. I would. That's another great full page. It's just yes. like, it's gorgeous. So the X-Men and Teen Titans all climb down, and we get another full page spread of them introducing themselves. Yeah, this is this is an iconic page. <laughs> You have Robin and Cyclops shaking hands as the leaders, which I thought that was cool. I like that they went with Cyclops and not Professor X there. No, I agree, but this is another page where they're all like, hey, I'm Cyclops, I'm right. a player. Robin's <laughs> like, yo, I, I, I know what the girls like. Right. Yeah, they're all, they got these strange smiles going on, but uh, it's, it's a great page. Well, my favorite part is the uh, apprehension between Raven and Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Uh, not only does Raven sense like Wolverine's like primal violence, but Wolverine can sense that she senses it. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool. I do also like that the kitty's like hiding behind Cyclops, <laughs> like, like, behind Colossus, like peeking yeah. out around Colossus. Like, ooh, yeah. and then she's like, oh, boy, that green guy is kind of cute. Which <laughs> in this panel, Gar, Beast Boy, Changeling, whatever, kind of looks like Topher Grace from that '70s show. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, 
It's timely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he also, I don't. Nightcrawler looks incredibly tall in this panel. Yes, he does, and kind of weird. I'm not a huge fan yeah. of that Nightcrawler right there. But even even with with those little I don't nitpicks, I, I really do enjoy this this page. Yeah. It it what I do like it was we get another uh, Wolverine panel where he's like stupid kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't I don't like working with kids. Ain't my style. As if I had a choice. <laughs> they decide, hey, the the air of this planet is running out, which is weird. Either the planet has breathable air or it doesn't. <laughs> but somehow it has a limited amount of breathable air. Mm-hmm. But they got a skedaddle, so they jump on this asteroid, I guess, that has the weapon they were on. I think it, I think it's actually where they were. It's just like this oh, floating. Oh, okay. They were just in a floating rock. Okay. All right. That make, You're right. That makes sense. It's Oh, no. To be honest, it's not very clear. Well, it doesn't make sense. I know they have a lot of energy, but the star bolts and the optic blast repulsing this rock through space, like, what are they repulsing against? Yeah, I mean... Um... Uh, it's, to reiterate, they need, they decided to need to move this rock towards something they've sensed. So they got uh, Starfire on one side and Cyclops on the other side, just like shooting off into space. Right. And I guess it kind of makes sense. You, you know, was it, it's Newton's law. You know, if you shoot one force one way, he has to propel force the other okay, way. Okay. Yeah, you're like a Coke bottle. Okay, I get you. So they're shooting through space, and then they notice that uh, Mobius chair floating <laughs> in, in in space. So Cyborg uses his uses his go-go gadget arms. A, How far does his arm stretch? I don't know, but it's... It's, like, it's like a half a mile. He's <laughs> so they get the Mobius chair, and they can't figure out how to make it work. And then we get to a panel that's really weird for me, because you got um, uh, Beast Boy and Kitty sitting on this, this giant yeah. throne. Well, th- this whole thing is weird, because it's like, all right, we don't know what this chair does. Is very mysterious. We know it has power. I somehow sensed it. So it maybe has sentience. Um, yeah. And so while we're all talking about it, Kitty and Beast Boy just go relax on it. Like, oh, it's not, it's, it's dangerous, but we'll just sit here and recline and, you know, chill out. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that plus. He's like, oh, you're Kitty? My name's Gar. And she's like, oh, nice name. Like, whoever said Gar was a nice name? Right. Nobody. Who, who calls himself Gar? Like, ooh, cool name. Gar. <laughs> Gar. I don't know. I mean, his name is Garfield Logan. What are you going to do? Yeah. So Kitty wishes she was home, and then the chair you know, teleports them home. Yeah, it's better than Ruby Slippers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they come back, and they're holding <laughs> each other, which I, I love this panel because they're, like, freaked out holding each other. <laughs> but it doesn't look like that, though. What it looks like is when your mom comes downstairs and catches you making out. You're like, <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> So what I imagine is the whole way home and back, they were mugging down, and they show up, and they're like, oh, we have an audience. Oopsie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then we get to a panel, once again, where the faces are a little odd. Yeah. And we got Professor X, like, of course, the chair is is telepathic, and he's, like, smirking like, you naughty teens. (laughs) And and, and Dick has got this smile on his face, like, Like, yeah. All right, get you some, beast boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Beast Boy so turns into that, uh, Lockheed. Yeah, which at this point, a lot of this stuff felt like very forced romantic drama. Yeah, um, it did. Well, they're playing off like trying to make Colossus jealous, and then Kitty gets jealous of Colossus because apparently, I didn't know this, 
Starfire learns languages by making out with people. <laughs> well, my favorite part about that, though, is so Colossus says something in Russian, and um, Starfire's like, ooh, a new language, let's make out. And Nightcrawler's like, ooh, I want some of that. So he immediately says something in German. Like, yeah, I love it. And it like, the only thing would have been better if the next panel was him like standing there, like kind of bowed over, like with kissy lips, like bring it on. <laughs> I can just imagine just like 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 undoing his zipper. Right. Like, <laughs> so he says, "Fräulein, sprechen Sie Deutsch?" Which is, "Hey, hey, girl, do you speak Do uh, German?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And then Kenny gets jealous of him. Like, yeah, it's just it's just forced. Yeah. Um, but anyway, then so the plan okay. is, because you have to touch the chair, I guess. Yeah. And the plan is, Lockheed's going to be this giant dragon. He'll grab the chair with Professor X sitting in it, which he should. And then everybody else will just climb on Beast Boy, and that's how they'll get around. They teleport to the Earth. But before they do that, there's this really wonderful panel of Cyclops. Um, yeah. Sort of looking up, up at him. I like the it shading just... on his goggles. Right, it's it's a gorgeous panel of, of like profile of Cyclops. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Simonson, you know, I don't always enjoy this. Simonson kind of gives him like buggy goggles. Yeah, yeah. I really like the way he does it. Like, there's some sure. artists do that I don't enjoy, but I don't know. It works for Simonson. Doing no, the, doing that, the fatter, what... rounder goggles. Yeah, it looks great. And then they show, um, you know, the back, you know, flying over New York. Yeah. And, uh, we got you know cyborg is almost falling off of these man. <laughs> right. Why he? Why he? Why was his position to hang on to the neck? Like everybody else know. is safely tucked away, and he's like, of course he calls Storm sister. He's like, I'm okay, sister. Which is yeah. what you'll be able to say about Greeny when I get my hands on him. Yeah, what's well, more of, cy- of cyborg's mouthiness here? Yeah, yeah, his attitude because he's from the streets. We kind of glossed over that at the beginning, but um. When they first rescued Robin in Gotham, uh, Beast Boy makes a remark about the neighborhood, and Cyborg's like, "This is like where I grew up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I almost suspect like a lot of black exploitation talk out of him. Like, yeah, which is weird because like, later sucka. on he uses words that you would expect someone. Oh no, he's super smart and you. like super like intelligent and not ghetto at all. But then they play yeah. it up like. Like, he's so ghetto fab all the time. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird, like, inconsistent mix. <laughs> that could just be Claremont. I don't... I think Wolfman wrote him a little better, but... Yeah, maybe. So then they see... Uh, we got the X-Men on uh, Changeling flying over New York, and we, get, we, we, we notice that there's a concert going on in, um, I guess, Central Park-ish. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We see a bunch of New Yorkers, and no one looks uh, particularly uh, pretty. In <laughs> yeah, just, it's just a nice audience shot. There's someone. I like how the conductor looks like he's 20 feet tall. Oh yeah, on the stage. <laughs> so then we get to another panel um, where the face doesn't match what's going on because Starfire says, "What's what's wrong, Wolverine? You're smiling." And if you look at Wolverine's face, it's not like a natural smile. No. It's almost like he's like gritting his teeth or he doesn't really know what a natural smile looks yeah, you like. You know what it looks like? like? It looks like when your kid's about four or five. Yeah. And you want him to take a picture and he won't. Exactly. And you like, smile. And he's like, eee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I show teeth, it's a smile, right? Right. 
Oh, man. But then Raven detects an empathetic void underground. Yes. And so... <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't all of the ground be empath- uh, like an empathetic void? Right, right. There's not normally a lot of empathy running around underground, but whatever. <laughs> it works, I guess. So they teleport down there to these massive underground caverns. They don't say where, they say far underground. So an ice yeah. egg, like basically mole. Exactly. I, I kind of expected Mole Man to pop out, but <laughs> this is his territory. Yeah, so I like uh, we get some Logan Logan action. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, Beast Boy turns into a wolf. So we have a wolf and a Wolverine. Oh, yeah, it looks great. It's yeah, a it's great a cool panel. panel. But I also want to bring up the panel above hand. Is another like the facial expression doesn't match what's going on. <laughs> you talking about Cyclops? Like, yeah, Storm's like, yeah, I'm terrified because I got shot with that, that fear gas. And Cyclops like, yeah, girl, I know what you like. <laughs> right. He says, she goes, but I shall cope. And he's like, that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, but his face is like, yeah, girl. Yeah, you know, definitely. I like, let's get it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh. So then Deathstroke returns the favor to Wolverine and blasts him with his super staff. Did you catch the dialogue? He goes, that you are, runt. Now we're even. So isn't that, isn't that something that Sabretooth always says? Yes, yes. that You're right. I didn't put that together, but that's really cool. Um, so yeah, he does that. And that's a cool panel. Um, and Deathstroke just looks sweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, his staff's kind of weird. I've never really loved the staff that much, but it's it's part of them, so it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Then we get just all out fighting, and yeah. And this is like one appearance of of Wonder Girl. She just battles some dudes for two panels, and then we don't really see her again right. for the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Storm basically collapses the cavern on top mm-hmm. of the Parademons, but Deathstroke is able to climb out, and that's a really and, sweet and panel of Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting here as well is that Cyclops like digs a tunnel, and it reminded me of I don't know the issue number, but there's, there's where they're fighting Magneto and yes. something collapses, yeah. and they escape one way, and Gene Beast go a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and because Cyclops uses his optic blast to burrow underground. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That, yeah, and, th- and that would have happened before this. So that's a nice little callback. And this whole thing kind of ir- or reeks of uh, Magneto's underground base in the Savage Land, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nice little parallel. And, of course, Cyclops is like, we're here, end of the line. <laughs> As they find uh, Darkseid. I almost did the same thing. I almost called him Apocalypse. Uh, they find Darkseid's uh, big giant drill. And, and this, this, um, this page really surprised me as well because of... Uh... I thought I thought like something had been cut off. It was like uh, you see the X Men there, like like a quarter of the way down the page, and there's stuff going on in the background. Oh, and, you're and right, like, you're right. So is is you know what makes it the weirdest? It's because almost all of these pages have an artificial border space at the top, except for the full page splashes. And yeah. so so you see this one then, and at exactly the same breadth of where that artificial blank space is is mm-hmm. where the the carryover from the other panel is and so it yeah, does yeah, it looks yeah. like 
It looks like it's the bottom of a panel that is not there anymore. You know, exactly. So it took me a minute to, to realize what was going on. Yeah. But it's it actually, after you know what's happening, it's really interesting to look at. Yes, I agree. And once again, the angle here of looking down at the base is really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Though Darkseid does this weird Joker thing where he puts his giant face on his contraption. Mm-hmm. I know that was strange. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's very like evil villainy to uh, yeah. put your face all over stuff. <laughs> yeah. So next, then we we see uh, the Dark Phoenix is there uh, with uh, Dark Side. He's like, all right, looks like you know they survived somehow, but I'll send my evil bitch to take care of them. Right. <laughs> and then we get another cool panel of Wolverine versus Deathstroke. This is my favorite. Yeah. It's a great pose. It is. For both of them. So Wolverine's cutting at Deathstroke, and uh, Deathstroke just jumps over his claws. Mm-hmm. I like Wolverine's line. It's so funny. He's like, because uh, uh, Darkseid's like, oh, we can't stop until our work's done. And Wolverine's like, you heard the man, bub. Let's play tag. You're it. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, he's fast. <laughs> yeah. He uses the word cripes. Yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, good old comic book cussing. <laughs> <laughs> so Starfire goes after the Phoenix, but she's no match, and the Phoenix nope. just like kicks her ass. Yeah, and the X Men try to appeal to Phoenix's, and they try to appeal to Gene, like in case Gene's still in there. Yeah, and there's kind of this thing that they never really resolve. Like, is there any Gene in here, or is it just Phoenix energy, and it just looks like Gene because that's the last form she had, mm-hmm. and. I think it's kind of cool, but they never really, like, give you a complete answer. No, I agree. They don't. And I think it's better that way as well. Yeah. So we, we kind of made fun of Darkseid's plan, but we, we we really kind of get to the nuts and bolts. So basically what he wants to do is shoot a phoenix bolt to the core of the Earth mm-hmm. using this big drill thing. And then that'll dissipate back out to the surface, making these hell pits. Exactly. And the help will help convert everything to a new apocalypse. And we get uh, some cool cool panels here of the Phoenix like powering up and shooting at, yeah. at the Earth. The only, my uh, only complaint about this this like, plan uh, yeah. is that it's, I don't remember the Phoenix Force being so slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it take, like she shoots this bolt towards the core of the Earth and it's a long time. We have a lot of stuff that happens between now and when we resolve that and it just seems like the earth would have already blown up by then but whatever <laughs> and at the end of the issue she also flies back to the source wall and they mention that it's like you know millions of light years away but she gets yes. there in the blink of an eye right so why is this bolt like inching like literally like a mile an hour towards the earth's core <laughs> it's weird yeah it's plot device anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we get uh, one more panel of Kid Flash and Wonder Girl doing a little bit because they're there. So yeah, remember, they're, remember there. they're on the team. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Kitty doing some um, interesting stuff going through the machinery, like, uh, you know, using her brain, disrupting the machinery. And we've got <laughs> Gar as a little rodent in the yes. machine. Little ratchy, biting cables, chewing through cables, those pesky rats. <laughs> and he goes, yum. Like... <laughs> Even if you're a rat, it's not going to taste good. It's, no, it's, it's not weird. cheese. It's not, you know, sewage. It's, <laughs> it's a cable. Whatever. 
Um, so then, then the Professor X is like, look, Raven, you, you got to be a man. Man yeah. up and we're, we're going to take care of this stuff. Right. He gives her a pep talk. And, yeah. And she agrees. So basically they combine. So basically Professor X psionically reinforces Raven's soul self bolt. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And they um they shoot the Phoenix bird in the back. I Which really like like the panel. Phoenix flame looks in pain. It's a really cool yeah. panel. It's wonderful. It's it's the book is is honestly anytime the Phoenix is in the in, in the pages, it's great art. Yes, it is. Right? So then um Darkseid's like, oh man. <laughs> so he does have that look over his shoulder like oh. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> yeah. I like how Robin carries off Kitty Pride and Beast Boy. And literally he's got Kitty like under his arm or no over his shoulder. And then Beast Boy's still a rat just hanging out on his cape. Yeah, isn't it great? So we get some cool um Wolverine Deathstroke action again. Again, yes. much too little. But then Cyclops like optic blast deathstroke. Takes it's great teamwork. Because, you know, later on, as, as the X-Men got, you know, they got to know each other better. They were really known for their teamwork fighting yes. in, in battles. Yeah. So this is great. You know, Wolverine being the, this, the distraction so Cyclops can uh, shoot this dude. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. And then we get some really interesting uh, just Simonson panels <laughs> of, of Gene and Raven and Chuck all battling it out mentally. So basically the memories of Gene... Mm-hmm. Or what kind of make her start to fall apart. Exactly. And really, because like the Beatles said, all you need is love. And <laughs> love wins the day. So she's like, oh, I'm starting to discorporate. Everyone tackles Darkseid. He's going to shoot his Omega beam effect, whatever. And Colossus has a bright, well, brave, okay. but dumb well, idea. Stop, stop, stop like, I'll, just, I'll just put my hands over his eyes and they won't work. But he just disintegrated stuff. I don't think it's a matter of your metal being stronger. I think you're going to lose your hands. <laughs> no, I, I thought that as well. But, but before that, we have to go back a couple panels because okay. we've got Robin jumping at this dude. And he's thinking in his brain. And we've got literally one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like, like ten lines of him just like thinking about stuff. Right. Well, my favorite part is because um, Professor X talks to him telepathically. Yeah. But before he says anything, Robin says, huh? Professor Xavier's voice inside my head. <laughs> yeah. And then the voice comes. I was like, that's a little backwards. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, Phoenix, why don't you just, uh, if you need energy, absorb that beam you shot. And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. I should not. Have, that was a very important thing to skip over. Um, well, no, the thing is like, yeah, my enemy told me to do something. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> right. But hey, it's all about self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, but then eventually they defeat uh, Darkseid's eye beams because uh, Starfire shoots star bolts into his eyes. That's pretty hardcore. It reminded me of um, the the New Fifty Two where they they take out his eyes as well. Okay, Is it, was that in Justice League or was that in something else? You know, I might be thinking of uh, uh, the movie that oh, just okay. ago where they stab his eyes out when he attacks the earth. <laughs> this makes me think of Cable in the 90s going, stab my eyes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
then we get this really cool panel of uh, Phoenix reabsorbing her Phoenix Force. And I like I like in the 80s when they did this, where you have this really cool like lettering, like mm-hmm. not, in, not in a box. It's just in the picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks really cool. It makes it... And it draws your eye kind of down the line of the force. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really sweet. We also have another panel of, of like grimacing person with the, the facial expression doesn't quite match <laughs> the words. Professor X is really like, I don't know, in pain trying to maintain his connection. Right. It looks like someone's like squeezing his balls and he's <laughs> in pain. Well, I guess mentally they kind of are. I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> But I like how Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, does this like weird breakdance move where like she gets her power and she goes like, woo, and flings her arms out and then pulls everything back into a tight little ball. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> like, I just want to hear some like bad techno music. <laughs> <laughs> so she realizes like she's going to die because she can't keep her form. And um, Dark Side's like, look, you don't have to die. Just like take over someone else's body. So and I- obviously she. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So she heads towards Scott. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Simonson did this on purpose or not. And I'm still not sure. I've read it several times. Mm-hmm. But the, the Phoenix is like, you know, taking on the flame bird. And she's going towards Cyclops, like attacking mm-hmm. to take him over. And obviously her beak's going to be open because she's like doing her eagle scream or whatever. Yeah. But the way the, the mouth is shaped, the inside of her beak and mouth makes a heart. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that. So I didn't know if that was, like, subconsciously, like, the Phoenix, oh. like... Come on, that's got to be... He he knew what he was doing. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and the Phoenix even says, come my wants and former love. So, yeah, exactly. Anyway, I thought that was a really cool, like, very subtle panel. Oh, it was, it was, that's nice. I didn't notice the heart shape before. Nice, yeah. nice pickup. But for me, the next panel is oh, is the panel of the issue. I agree. Oh, I almost tweeted you that, but I didn't want to give away what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, like, man, this is the, by far the best panel of the book. Because we've got Phoenix taking over Cyclops, so we've got the Phoenix Force symbol on his chest. Yeah, which, you know, by the way, this looks very similar to what Cyclops looked like during Avengers vs. X-Men when he was part of the Phoenix Five. For sure. So I couldn't help but, kind of the... the unintentional foreshadowing there. I, I'm wondering if when, I think Hubert did those designs, I wonder if he based some of that on this issue. You would think they would they would pay some attention because this is such a striking image, especially yes. with all the light and, and, and like the fire and the Kirby crackle coming off yeah. of him. This, I, I actually don't want this image to be updated. I prefer it with this this art and this, the this color scheme. Yeah, it's the wonderful. colors are great. The fadedness yeah. of them and... I don't know if that's a word, but I just said it. Fadedness. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And then, and then we get like the, the team reaction where they're all in shock. Like, oh no, Scott, oh no, Phoenix. Oh no, we're horrified. And another great panel of, of, like you said, faded out Cyclops just like, yes. like bugging out here. Well, in that pink panel of him ripping off his mask and his face is just like washed out in white. That's awful oh, yeah. really cool looking. Like, I would, if I could get this page... I would buy this page and, oh, and yeah. blow it up and put it on my wall. This Definitely. is wonderful. Yes. And then Phoenix realizes that this is all in vain, though. Like, And she goes, oh, Who gave me this brief taste of life only to take it all away? Dark side! And she like flies at dark side. And um, they both disappear. 
<laughs> What's cool is she flies, but it's also like a, 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 a optic laser blast. Yes, you're right. I had that in my notes. The, like the Phoenix optic blast is the coolest optic blast ever. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great, great, another great, great page. Yeah, wow. And then we're we're cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phoenix flies off. Not only not only is that, but everyone at the concert just thinks it's part of the fireworks show. Yeah. Like, Ooh, an awesome eagle in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> it must be a Doobie Brothers concert. <laughs> oh my head. Well, if you look, there's there's one panel with a bunch of dialogue from everyone looking at the fireworks. Yes. Like, look at that. Far mm. out. Neat. Yeah, far out. That's my. If, if only we had a keen in there, it'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how we showed that, because we weren't really sure what happened, and the X Men never do find out. Mm-hmm. But when we see the Phoenix bird flying off, we see that in her talons is the broken body of Darkseid. Yeah. So, so at least the user, the reader knows what, what happened. The so, user, oh man, that's my language. I don't. That, that was a subconscious slip to my uh, computer science college days. <laughs> well, as as a, as a guy who works in the gaming industry, that's a word I use way too much. So yeah. <laughs> oh man. So. So then we get some really cool uh, Simon Sim Kirby esque uh, space scenes with the the Phoenix uh, flying through space in the in the blink of an eye. Yes. Back to the wall. Yeah, and then she uh, she gets there. It talks about the paradox of her downfall is her glory. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're in this weird crossover. They're trying to kind of say like, all right, so the source wall in the DC is kind of the origin point mm-hmm. of like the universe. Yeah. And in the Marvel universe, the Phoenix is like this ultimate cosmic force, this, this godlike. Yeah. And it doesn't create the whole universe, but has like creative powers. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know if Claremont's trying in a weird way to say, like, at least for the point of this crossover, like that the Phoenix Force came from the Source Wall. Like this is kind of a return home. Because some of the wording is a little confusing. Or if she just recognizes the power of it and mm-hmm. is trying to stay alive, and that's what she does. But I, I, I agree. The ending is a little bit like, what exactly happened here? Right. <laughs> Not sure. Yeah. But all I know from the ending is that saving the universe is thirsty work. So get Wolverine a beer. <laughs> so, so this is great. The whole page, could, because we get, you know, all the, the people in, in um, Central Park spilling out going home. And they're walking by this castle. I didn't know there was a castle in, in Central Park. I didn't either. I also didn't yeah. know. If you look in the crowd below there, the guy in the purple shirt. Yeah. He's like a Franciscan monk. Yeah. I was going to say, once again, like people in the 80s were ugly. This is not a good, people do not look nice. Oh, Denise said there is a castle in Central Park. It's not that big. It's not that big. It's like. That's what, that's what she said? That's what, <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, what would be this? these two towers. Okay. So it's oh. like a fifth of the size of that. Okay. 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 Is it like a touristy thing or is it actually an old castle? I don't remember the story behind okay. it, but there you can go inside and go up and oh. look out. So this is this is real then. The X Men are are overlooking the park. They're all hanging out, being buds with the Teen Titans. Yeah, Wolverine's talking about getting a beer. He's yeah. he looks like he's almost like hitting on Starfire. He kind of does, yeah. In fact, his hand is reaching towards her hair. He's about yeah, to I he's mean, about to know. stroke her her long, unmanageable locks. <laughs> 
He's into redheads, you know. It's a yeah. Marvel thing. You know, people ask about hair color. I'm going to ask about volume. I wonder if the carpet matches the drapes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine the Brazilian <laughs> cost every, every week? Right? Every month, <laughs> oh, man. All right, so then we move to our epilogue, and uh, Metron says... The wheel in the sky keeps on turning. <laughs> and he basically says, well, there you go. <laughs> well, this is it's another ending where like Metron was gone and he's back and he's like, yep, I took care of stuff. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Right? <laughs> what did you actually do? You're not even going to tell us. All he says is all is as it should be. Yeah. And then we get a, this giant face of uh, dark side on the wall. That's an awesome panel. Yeah, it is. But if you go to the page before, I want to clarify something because we had talked about like gloves don't really match dark side. Right. And now we see the hand image of Metron. So we know that the earlier gloves were not Metron either. Well, that's true. He doesn't have the really cool finger things. Yeah. So, oh, and we, we totally blew over that part in the comic. So Katie, when she first sees dark side, says, The man from my nightmares. Yeah. So that's why we assumed it was maybe dark side, but. Yeah. Who knows whose hand it was? I don't know. It was a weird looking hand. Or maybe maybe that glove thing had to do with what he took from Metron in the beginning where they traded their weird sci-fi Kirby devices. Yeah, you're right, because he doesn't have the uh, the crown anymore. Yeah, so I don't know. Very vague, probably intentionally so. I mean, you're in this weird thing in this book where they act like it all matters, but at the end of the day, they both have to go back to their separate books and pretend this never happened. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I, I find it far-fetched that Robin wouldn't know anything about Darkseid, given that the Justice League had battled him before and he worked with Batman. He would know. Right. He would have some idea what's going on. Yeah, you would think so. I could I could see the converse where Darkseid doesn't recognize the Titans. Like that oh, makes yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But you would think Robin would know something. Yeah. yeah, dark side be like these these peasants, you know, whatever. <laughs> dumb kids. I wouldn't have yeah. got away with it too if it wasn't for you, dumb kids. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. His face at the end can't talk, but that's what he's saying. He's he's going Scooby Doo. So I think there's there's a page missing where they have like uh, Robin's pulling off his mask, and behind it is just Jack Kirby saying. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's fantastic. Dark side. I mean, his whole head does look like a mask. So yeah, with that weird bullet helmet he wears. So Jason, I have to, to, to say, I really enjoy this despite sort of the fun we had making fun of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. What, what would you grade this? Um, Let's I don't kind of break it down a little bit. Yeah. What do you think of the art? Okay. So the art, I would say, consistently is, is gorgeous throughout the yes, book except for just a few panels right a couple of weird face things but mm-hmm. other than that i and man the panels that are awesome are so awesome yeah that cyclops panel is so gorgeous yeah and man he just he just draws a really mean dark side mm-hmm. oh yeah it. isn't he great yeah yeah and the story overall uh for being kind of an out of continuity kind of fun fest i mm-hmm. I actually thought it drew pretty well from, like, the foundations of the two universes. Like, it really... Of course, Claremont was Mr. Phoenix. I mean, the mm-hmm. Phoenix was all him. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that he would have a good grappling on that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he also had a pretty good handle on the uh, the new Genesis, new God stuff 
of course, it helps that he didn't go too deep into it. Yeah. So he kind of was very surface level, and that probably helped. But yeah, I thought the story was really fun. I thought it was. I thought the drama was pretty intense, even for all the silliness. Yeah. Like the idea, especially the whole Phoenix part, the idea of of the X Men having to face what looks like their former like best teammate, mm-hmm. you know, and but it's purely evil. And exactly. Maybe because of the fact that it's an out of continuity crossover. I kind of like the vague ending in that, but it's also satisfying a little bit. I mean, the mm-hmm. dark side part, not as much, but the Phoenix part, like we have a return of the energy to some kind of power source. Yeah. So in theory, on the X-Men side, this could actually happen and not change any of their story. I agree. Like we mentioned earlier, I like sort of the vague ending. Like, was Jean part of this? Was she not part of this? Right. It's much more um, interesting to think about when I believe it's Storm, let me make let me double check and make sure. I know someone asked Cyclops a question. Well, yeah. If if that wasn't Gene at all, then who gave us the warning? Exactly. Right. To me, and here's kind of my my fan fiction on this. Mm-hmm. I always feel like at at when it's all said and done, that this Phoenix Force had nothing to do with Gene. Like it was their memories. It was a new kind of entity mm. that had the Phoenix power. But the Jean's spirit, her soul, whatever, in the afterlife or wherever it goes in Marvel Universe time, was so in touch and so bonded with the Phoenix power that it knew what was going on. Oh, I agree. And so it came, like, Jean herself came back to try to warn the X-Men, but she couldn't maintain her form or whatever, and that's why she disappeared. And she went to all the spots of her power because she was trying to prevent the Phoenix Force from being resurrected. I'm right there with you. And so I think they don't say that at all in the book, but I think that's a really cool way of explaining it. No, and and that was another page or panel where where Gene trying to hug Scott was just gorgeously rendered. Right, I agree. The other thing I want to bring up is what I really like is um, how neither side, DC or Marvel, was shown to be the superior side. Right. Like it wasn't like oh we're you know Marvel's making this so obviously the X Men are going to be better it was you know we had both sides equally contributing to the victory and and working together I thought that was wonderful yeah I agree I agree with that completely so I will say this or I not say I will ask this of you mm-hmm. even admittedly don't really aren't really familiar with the DC side of this and mm-hmm. like I said I've not read a whole lot of Teen Titans but I'm a huge X Men fan and I'm pretty sure you are too. Mm-hmm. So coming at this as mostly an X-Men fan, does this make you want to read any more Teen Titans? Because I, um, I, that would be kind of the mission statement of this book, I think, for both right. companies, is let's get let's get some cross-pollination. So did it achieve its goal? Obviously now it'd be a lot harder because you'd have to go back and get the issues. Mm-hmm. But if you were reading this now, new, and you were in America <laughs> and we could get comics more easy, and uh, you were just going to a comic shop, after you read this, would you like look at the next issue of Teen Titans, or would you be like, "Nah, it's gonna keep, that was cool, but I'm just gonna keep reading my X Men." If I was younger, I think I would be into it. Yeah, that's kind of where I felt too. Mm-hmm. I'm I not gonna I'll... go back and get these, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. supposedly this is a legendary run. So I guess probably someday I should buy a trade and look into it. But um, but th- that first uh. Whew, I'm cracking again. That first Wolfman Perez run is supposed to be like top notch. That's what I've heard as well. I I've, think I've never read yeah, any of it. <laughs> so it's really. I think there's some interesting characters, some neat stuff to look into. I would be interested to look at it after this. 
Yeah, I would say, all right, so Robin came off really good, but I already liked Robin. And I already have lots of him in my bat books. Beast Boy came off kind of interesting, but like you said, kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he definitely does come off annoying. I think really probably the, the character I was most interested in would be Starfire, just because yeah. of all the cosmic stuff she had. And I don't know how much of that played into the series. So Cyborg kind of came off as a little bit one-dimensional. Oh, I forgot to mention, he calls... Uh, the X Muties in one panel. Yeah, you know, I I did catch that when I was reading, and I forgot that too, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know if it makes it dumb or if it makes it more complex, because he got on to Beast Boy for making a comment about the neighborhood, mm-hmm. so it makes him kind of seem like oh, he's accepting and open-minded of all this stuff. Yeah. But then yeah. he uses a derogatory name for the mutant. Exactly. So it's kind of this complex, like well. I want people to be open and accepting and non-prejudiced to me, but I'm going to turn around and have a prejudice against these people. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was really weird. And you're right. And it kind of made me not like him. And, yeah, no, for sure. And I think Claremont probably, I don't know how complex he was trying to be or if he just needed to use the word beauty somewhere and that's where he stuck it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know, so I don't really know like how deep he went into that character, yeah. but it made him come off as a really big hypocrite. And I agree. And I really left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, that's why I, I made several uh, comments about the mouth on Cyborg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. <laughs> we, we already said the art. We both agree. I guess we would give top marks to the art. Yeah. St- the story I would give not quite as high marks, especially because the dialogue can be a little bit... Mm, it got clunky, yeah. Yeah. But overall, I would give this probably... If you can let, or if you can get into the mindset that this is a crossover and you have to let some things go, right. I would give this a five out of six claws. I really enjoy this. Yeah, we're we're exactly in the same place. I also gave it five out of six claws. Um, I struggled with, you know, I was kind of on the high side of a four, but the art was too good, and it was a, it was just, it was a fun enough story. The ending, exactly, exactly. I flip flop on whether I like or don't like the ending. <laughs> No, I'm there. Like, it's, it's, like, it's consequently both extremely and extremely unsatisfying um, <laughs> for different reasons. And so it just depends on what angle I come at it from. But um, yeah. but yeah, no, I think I think that we're we're right in the same place. So nice. So we awesome. both give Uncanny X Men and the new Teen Titan. Got to emphasize the new Teen yeah. Titans five out of six claws. So yeah. um, cool. Well, thank you very much for being on here. Any closing thoughts before we move to our plugs? Um, I would, uh, yeah, if you can find this anywhere, I don't know if, if you can get this on Comixology. I didn't see it there, but if you can find it anywhere, it's definitely worth, worth a read. Yeah, I agree. We both, both fully endorse it. All right. Well, so, uh, Georgie, why don't you tell where people can find you on Twitter and, uh, talk more about, uh, your contributions to the, uh, inner comics, uh, webpage. Awesome. Thank you. Well, um, on Twitter, I'm at Tokyo Tranny Boy. And if you, you're wondering if I'm really a tranny boy or not, just, you know, come on out to Tokyo and I'll be happy to show you what's, <laughs> uh, what's real, what's not real. <laughs> but, yeah, I live in Tokyo. I work in the game industry and I uh, write basically weekly articles for the Inner Comics podcast. I've been on this show, uh, I think, twice. And so I, I'm a really sort of an art junkie. So anything I write about is generally, uh, you know, this is a great book because of this art and, <laughs> and because of what this is what's going on. So I just want to promote good stuff. 
and the inner comics podcast uh families uh, you know a bunch of uh, really uh, smart guys who oh, know yeah. what they're talking about so if you have uh if you're looking for more you know comics podcasts i would definitely look them up yeah i definitely i've uh i've pimped them before i kind of consider them a kindred spirit mm-hmm. they've all been very like supportive of me and vice versa so so, Georgie, why don't you give the uh, the web address for that? Oh, boy. I better double check. Okay. I don't want to make a mistake. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Caught you off guard. So, it's intercomicspodcast.com for the website. And if you look for Intercomics uh, Podcast on uh, iTunes or, uh, you know, um, any other um, podcast uh, web uh, not web service, you'll be able to find them really quickly. And it's, it's a weekly podcast, usually uh, about Saturdays. And uh, it's a lot of fun, sort of silly stuff, but also serious uh, yeah. talk about art and stories. And it's a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. And I will further promote, um, Georgie's articles are very good. Uh, they're, I would say, kind of my surmise, because they're very kind of clever. I like them. And they're, they take the material seriously, but they're not too serious. Oh, cheers. Thank so, you. So definitely go check out his articles. Um, well, okay. Uh, well, uh, as usual for the podcast to go snicked, uh, you can leave an oh, iTunes review. No, just, what? Hold on a second. You know, just, just before I, end, I just want to say thank you again for ha- having me on. It was a lot of fun. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, um, like I said, uh, for the podcast to go snicked, you can leave an iTunes review. You can like the Facebook page. Show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. Twitter is at snickcast and Email, um, still waiting for our first uh, round of Wolverine dating questions, uh, but <laughs> this email is uh, snickcast at yahoo.com. And yeah, that's about it. So, hey, again, Georgie, thank you very much for coming on. It was um, so much fun. Yes, it I, was. I, I, we went really long. I'm sorry, but it was I it, Hey, it was a meaty issue. It was a, it was a lot to cover. and um, 65 pages. Yeah. And if I can help it, you will be back. So um, fans oh, can look awesome. forward to that. Yeah, so that's it. Until next time, I appreciate everyone. I hope no one minds that we kind of did this in a weird place in our flashback timeline. But like I said, I think you will agree after hearing the episode. It was definitely worth it. So yeah, we got some really cool stuff coming up that I can't talk about yet. I will say it's a secret. And secret. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But um, until next time, uh, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.